Welcome back, everybody, to the Train of Ambivalence with me, Zane. And me, Amrick. It's good to be back again. It is very good to be back because, ladies and gentlemen, we are here and we are the train and we're here to stay. And other things that rhyme with train, I'm sure there's many things that rhyme with train. Uh, uh, Purple Rain and Zane, my name, rhymes with train. (laughs) Um, I'm not having a stroke. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you got you can't see me, but every time every time I say we're back again, I do a little fist bump. <laughs> I wish I could see that. I wish I could see your excitement for being here, because oh, I mean, yeah, we're back again, fist bump. But now you're gonna think <laughs> that every time I say it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear that even when we're not doing podcast recording, where like I'll be like, oh, um, I'm gonna meet up with some friends, and Amrick's back, and you'll be like, yeah, and we're back again. <laughs> Like all of a sudden, you just become the hype man of the friendship group. Oh, mate. I'd be like the, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, shit. Public Enemy. <laughs> You're the flavor flavor of, of the podcast. I don't, I do not <laughs> want to be the flavor flavor of, uh, the podcast. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I mean, we could tell the listeners and we could pretend to them or, you know, just tell them that you are wearing a giant clock around your neck, only. What's the train of ambivalence equivalent of a clock? What was the reasoning? Did Flavor Flav ever give a reasoning as to why it's a giant clock around his no neck? Or was he... I mean, like, the Beastie Boys, <laughs> they used to have, like, massive, like, VW car signs, like, around their neck. A clock just seems really obtuse and weird in comparison. You know, you know, <laughs> Flavor Flav, if you told me he died and got reincarnated as, like, Balan from Balan Wonderworld, I wouldn't be... <laughs> I wouldn't be 100% against that like I could I could see it you ever think about um, people dying and being reincarnated as video game characters because you said the same thing about Chewbacca as well yeah I kind of I don't know maybe I want it to happen to me you know like maybe maybe when I die in a video game be, as long as it's not Balan Wonderworld I think I'd be okay yeah yeah <laughs> I mean um, back to like back to Flavor Flavor I'm always reminded of that Chris Rock joke that you told me about how he's done like irrevocable damage to like <laughs> Black people everywhere. Yeah, so Flair, Chris Rock once had a really famous joke in one of his uh, sets from a while ago where he's like, uh, in order for black people to truly progress, Flavor Flav needs to die. And <laughs> it's like you've got people in Congress suited up and doing really important things, and then you have this jackass with a giant clock around his neck. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair point. <laughs> Not that we at the trade of ambulance advocate for people's deaths, but... We don't advocate for people's deaths, just to like remind our our listeners in um, vulnerable vulnerable places that may may can think of going and rioting and and doing bad things. Again, we are not responsible for that stuff. No, we j- are j- not. J- no, we are. Just to make all of the CIA agents aware, whoever's listening to us. But no, it's 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 really good to be back. Um, I think did we miss last week? Or did did we do it last week? I can't remember. I don't know. I, like I've, <laughs> I've said before, I can barely remember what I had for dinner the night before. So I, I'm not the, I'm not the authority on this, to be honest. 
The last time we met up, we talked about the Pokemon Direct and the PlayStation Revealed, and I think it's been a solid week in, in between. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we can get on to the proper episode. And, and talking about Purple Rain, um, let, let's start with our first piece of news. Yeah, let's go. So, talking about Purple Rain, um, the, the first thing I want to bring up is that in apparently, and this news is really good for me, because uh, I, I love this, in the new Mortal Kombat film, they will be using the uh, techno theme from the original Mortal Kombat movies. And and I don't know, like, obviously, this might not necessarily deserve a place on the news catch-up, but I love this. Um, and, and I made you listen to the techno theme. And, like, what are your thoughts on it? And you can then ask me why this is related to Purple Rain. I mean, you sent me, you sent me that yesterday. I listened to it, and I was like... God damn, this is a bop, it's a tune, it slaps, it goes hard, it's amazing. Like And it plays against every single fight scene. Like it's not just a one time thing that they play at the beginning, they play every single fight. Like what possessed them to go that hard for like a track for a Mortal <laughs> Kombat game? It, it's beyond me, but oh my god, it's amazing. If you like if you <laughs> haven't listened to it, I definitely recommend just take two minutes out of your day. Listen to it, it will change your day, you'll be so pumped up, you'll go around fight or flighting just punching people, but oh my god, great. Hey, did you hear the bit where it starts? he starts just randomly saying, like, fighters' names <laughs> in the <laughs> middle of the song? Zero, waited. Yeah, it's brilliant. It works. <laughs> um, and, and the reason why this is related to Purple Rain, uh, on, on a bit of a tangent, is because um, <clears throat> in the Mortal Kombat Three, I believe there is the so so I don't I don't know if you're familiar with like the whole reason with the color swaps and stuff in Mortal Kombat, but um, the way they kept introducing new characters is a lot of them were just color swaps of uh, characters that were already in the game because it saves memory to do it like that. Yeah. So obviously you had Sub Zero and Scorpion the originals, um, and they were just color swaps of each other, and then they brought in the third character who's a secret boss in the original game, and his name is Reptile, and he's just a green scorpion with like some of Sub Zero's moves, and then in the second game they've got um, obviously is Kitana and Melina who are. Um, the, the two sisters, and they're purple and blue. And then they what's had Jade, it, who's just it, what's a... What's her name? Kitana and Melina. Melina. Melina, and she's the one with the giant teeth. She's basically a clone of Kitana with giant, giant teeth because she's half Tarkatan. She's, she's, in the tra- is, she's in the trainer, is it, trailer, isn't she? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. She, like, goes to bite someone because that's her thing. I mean, that's um, horrifying, but... Yeah. You'll love this, because when we do eventually go into, like, the Mortal Kombat lore, it's one of the best, and in, like, the dumbest kind of way, it's one of the best. So, um, so you said Melina, and, like, I don't want to ruin this for you, but, like, Melina is the medical term for when you, like, poop blood. I, maybe that was, maybe that was intentional. <laughs> in what way could that have been intentional? She's a lady that bites know. people, so I doubt she probably is pooping blood. If she is pooping mm. blood, she should definitely go see a doctor. She uses her size to, like, stab people in the stomach repeatedly, so maybe she makes them poop blood. <laughs> Possibly. That's a fair point. But I doubt she's doing that as a baby that wanted, wanted her name to be called Melina. Melina. Well, she's actually a clone, um, so it's <laughs> not going to get too 
too heavy into the Mortal Kombat lore. So Kitana is the princess of Outworld, and she's Shao Kahn's daughter, although he she's not actually his daughter. He stole her from uh, her actual uh, dad, and, you know, they go into it. Um, and basically, Melina is a clone of Kitana, but bred with um, this, like, warrior feral race called the Tarkatans, um, which is why she's basically a... She's basically Kitana, but with, like, uh, bloodlust and with giant fuck-off teeth, and she's, like way more evil because Katana's a good character mm-hmm. and Melina is like the the character that Shao Kahn wanted to be the actual empress because he's like Katana isn't ferocious enough I want to have my own perfect daughter and she's going to be super bloodthirsty I mean, and all, that's how we ended up with Melina all I'm thinking about is just Melina is basically the shadow the hedgehog kind of <laughs> kind of although to be fair they were introduced in the same game both in Mortal Kombat 2 so um, she, it's, it's like if Shadow was originally con- con- um, conceived at the same time as Sonic then yeah fair enough um, that's cool but yeah sorry to, to like digress massively um, Melina and uh, <laughs> Katana are color swaps of the same character yeah. and because obviously I don't know if you know you know this right but in the original three four Mortal Kombat games um uh, one, two, three, and ultimate. Um, the the characters are all like people, yeah. but but like three D generated into the into the game. Um, and obviously, they just paid the same actress to put on the same clothes, but in different colors. That's that's what they did. Um, so Katana and Melina are the same, the counterparts, and they had the secret boss in that game, and her name was Jade, and uh, she's just a green version of um, Katana. Uh, when it gets to the, when it gets to the third game, um, they're still pulling this shit, and there's a purple ninja, and who's a color swap of Scorpion and uh, Sub Zero, and his name is Rain, and it's a fucking Prince reference. Fair enough, fair enough. Purple that's, Rain, that, yes. That's solid. Like, I've really got to admire everything they've done there. <laughs> so that, that's kind of one thing I love about the series, is that they um, they take a lot of, like, the pop culture and meme stuff and mm. make it real. So, like, in, in the arcade cabinet for one of the first games... Um, the, there was like an error that would sometimes happen when you when you pick Scorpion, right. where he would accidentally turn um, he would accidentally turn like a an incorrect color, I think red or something, mm-hmm. and the name would appear as Ermac, um, and Ermac was just shorthand for Error Macro. Okay, but the fans thought it was a real character. Um, and, and then in the third game, they introduced one of the ninjas and his name is Ermac and he's like harvesting people's souls and stuff. And it's like the, the developers are fully aware of like the fans and their fan theories and they just build it into the game in the future installments. And I find that really cool. That is, that <laughs> I found is, that really cool. That is really cool. You've got to really appreciate the kind of, kind of like detail they went just to carry something like that over. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so, so yeah, Mortal Kombat. We will get into Mortal Kombat later down the line when we do some of the films, obviously in preparation of the new one that is coming out soon, I think. Can't, cannot wait. I think it comes out this summer. In, indeed, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll get on to that then. Um, as for the next piece of news, which is uh, another movie trailer thing, did you see the new teasers for the Justice League Snyder Cut? Um because they involved some stuff with Darkseid, it involved some stuff with the Joker, we got some new Flash scenes in trailers and teasers. Uh, there's, there's a fair bit here. Um, so we finally get Darkseid. Um, what did you think? Did you end up getting to watch them? I did not watch the trailer at all, to be honest. I do intend well, to at some point, but go for it. <laughs> 
there's not you're not missing out on like a crazy amount and to to be fair I think what they really wanted to do was just introduce Darkseid and show people the Jared Leto Joker and him talking and shit um I I think again I'm not like the most excited when it comes to the Snyder Cut um of Justice League I, I, I didn't like the first film at all um and I don't generally care for this but at the same time i'm interested to see like how much you can really make better because it'd be better to just get like a consistent vision as opposed to having a mixture of two different directors yeah. visions yeah. like is what we had in the original um but no i am excited to see dark side i like him i like the the character and um you make a more compelling villain than steppenwolf by himself without a doubt um i mean anything would be yeah. better than steppenwolf Steppenwolf was such a, like a, a neither here nor there villain to the point where it was just like yeah man fuck this guy. <laughs> like, I mean like I I think Steppenwolf and I instantly start my mind starts going to Born to Be Wild. And then also <laughs> and the same the, here. Then also the book by Herman Hess, but like it's it's mm. it's not a great name for a villain. <laughs> no, it's really not, and it's just he was so generic and uninteresting. So at least Darkseid is like the big bad. Yeah. When it comes to the um, the DC universe, so it'll be good to see what happens next with um, with him being tied into the plot. Um, but yeah, it's like what four and a half hours of a film, so fucking hell, <laughs> they're gonna oh, have to show a little such bit. Such a commitment. That's one sixth of your day. I don't is think that, that, it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah, one sixth of your day. I don't. Yeah, six times four. Um, I don't think it's gonna be um, released in one go, though. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's gonna be done gradually. Well, that's that's good. That's manageable. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like you said, like the initial release of the movie. That's kind of really put me off from actually venturing to actually check out the new trailer. But since it's a yeah. new director, I should really kind of give it the benefit of the doubt and check it out. And like, what what have I got to lose? Yeah, and you know, Zack Snyder opinions on his storytelling ability and like substance creating ability aside. Um, he can make a really nice-looking film, so it'll be good to see what, what what he can do. I mean, look, you can't get any lower than the original, in my opinion. It was so fucking bad. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like, unless they all start breaking out shovels and start digging, I can't see any going any lower than that. <laughs> fucking fair enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, into the next bit of news. Uh, we have some, some new stuff about the new Space Jam. <laughs> So I actually looked into what the plot is, and apparently uh, it's where LeBron is having to go into the Toonverse to rescue his AI, his, his son from an AI Don Cheadle. Um, and I, I didn't realize at any point where that includes the Looney Tunes, but apparently Looney Tunes are going to be in there. And obviously this somehow involves a game of basketball. But yeah, like Space Jam 2, it's a thing. Um, I mean, it's, it sounds like uh, <laughs> such a super random, like spin the wheel and then we'll just base a plot on whatever the like the thing lands on kind of plot but i'm gonna check it out i mean we've both got I'm quite a hundred percent checking it out. this movie don't we absolutely like the first movie obviously it has it's not good obviously but it's so much fun and like you know it's just got a massive nostalgia boner for it so i'll i'll, I'll check it out um i i find it so funny that don Cheadle's in this but then again, Bill Murray was in the original, so, you know, there's <laughs> yeah, big true, names all very around. true. I mean, like, I've, I've still got the original on VHS and, like, <laughs> downstairs. I mean, it's just a, such a part of our childhood. It's it's hard to replace the original, but by God, am I going to go watch the second one? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. There has been some backlash to it, as uh, from what I understand. Um, yeah, so for three different characters, um, the so first of all we have Lola Bunny. Um, so the contra not the controversy, but the backlash against Lola Bunny is people are upset she's not as hot as she was in the original, which I find it's, it's one of those backlashes, which is such a, like a I. Even if I felt that way, I wouldn't want to openly admit that I feel that way. No, I mean, also, it's it's a fucking cartoon for children. <laughs> I mean, this is what I mean. It's like, I wouldn't want to openly admit that I give that much of a shit to complain about, about Lola Bunny not being as sexy. Even though, from what I could tell, she looks exactly the same. I think they just made her, like... Uh, they just made her, like, bunny bunny boobs smaller, I think. I mean, to be honest, I thought she kind of looks exactly the same. They just kind of, like, brightened up her image, image and kind of made the kind of, well, the colour scheme a bit more kind of, well, up-to-date, really. That's the only things I could really spot. Yeah, I, I couldn't notice any discernible differences, but, you know... Uh, I, I did quite in, think in, their, their new uniforms are. Mm, they yeah, pretty, they look pretty cool. cool. I was about to say, we're gonna. I've I've still got my Toon Squad um, original jersey from the first one. I wonder if I might get this one too. If, yeah, if go I like for this it, man. One. Build a set. <laughs> well, on the back of that one, I have um, Michael Jordan, but like I don't have um, the same attachment to LeBron because you know I don't actually follow basketball. <laughs> no, me neither. I mean, like the only times I've watched basketball is when it's either been on late, really late night on BT Sports, or wait, no, that's the only the only time. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's just it's like it's one of those sports which is just inconvenient to follow when you're in this country. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, um, I've got to say, like the um, the games, the basketball games, the NBA games on PlayStation do look fucking amazing, though. They really do, and the have you seen like the very latest like uh, ultra, the the upgraded version of the very latest NBA is like an amazing looking game. Oh yeah, it um, looks beautiful. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So if that's something you're into then yeah you know, it's, it's a good one. you're well catered to i think is a good way to put it well definitely <laughs> but of course we've got some other um characters which won't be making an appearance in this film as well don't we <laughs> yeah so um they cut Pepe le pew <laughs> um uh so so i i can't recall or i didn't look into why he was cut is it because of the womanizing or is it because he's a skunk i could um, I think it's just like the French stereotype, and maybe also oh. the womanizing, and also. <laughs> but I think it's mainly down to the French stereotype. That's which you can nice. kind of associate to the womanizing. To the womanizing, and also the smell. Yeah. I mean, just the womanizing. <laughs> I mean, like um, in the original movie, he barely does anything. Then make the other like he has one appearance where they kind of like wave him in front of one of the other characters. Yeah, yeah, and they wear gas masks. Yeah. I mean, are you really do, are you really gonna miss those ten seconds of Pepe Le Pew? No, but they there's a number of characters in the first one that like are part of the team, but they don't actually do anything except for very brief moments, and they come on and do one thing. It's because obviously there's too many Looney Tunes, so so most of the screen time has to be taken by like obviously Bugs, Daffy, Lola, Taz, um, uh, Porky, Sylvester, right? Yeah, more. And then yeah. the rest of them just kind of have to share between like a small allocated amount of time. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. No one really <clears throat> likes that southern chicken, do they? Fa- do you mean uh, Foghorn Leghorn? Oh, that's his name. Yeah, I knew, I knew it. Was I say, ridiculous. I say, <laughs> I say, I say. That's yeah. a, that's a solid impression. I've got to say. 
Well, I loved him, <laughs> but it's because really? he was in uh, Looney Tunes back in action. He used to like beat you up if you went and just hit him because he's an NPC in back in action. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just go and attack him, like he kills you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that'll always be imprint- imprinted on my memory. Um, there's also, oh, God, you've got that moment stuck in my head. Um, what is it like? There's a there's a someone on the Toon Squad who's like a child, and he's like. La 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 la, such a nice day. And he's playing part of the game. I'm so excited I get to be part of the game. And then one of the monsters, like, crushes him. Oh, yeah, he's like a really small mouse or something, right? Yeah, that's the mouse, the mouse. I knew it. I was, that's exactly, because when I said it, I was like, there's so many of these fuckers that they're all, like, they're all kind of disposable. The mouse scene popped into my head yeah. immediately. Yeah, but that mouse gets, like, eviscerated in, like, the first five seconds you see him. Yeah, he's like, I love basketball, and I like to play basketball because I don't know that. And then he just gets crushed immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, of course, you've got another character that's being cut as well. You've got um, Speedy Gonzalez as well, haven't we? Dude, was Speedy Gonzalez in the first one? I didn't... I don't I think he is. don't think he is. Yeah, because Speedy... Speedy... You When you think about it, when it comes to professional sports movies, Speedy and Roadrunner would, like, be kind of yeah, MVPs. They'd dominate. <laughs> like, they'd yeah. be so overpowered. So maybe that's why they're not in it. Because I don't remember Speedy in the first one. Like, I, I genuinely don't. No, me neither, actually. I mean, like, you probably so, saw him sitting on the bench, perhaps, but... Um, there's, um, the controversy behind him is obviously he's a, a Mexican stereotype. Um, uh, yeah, not really my place to say, as someone who's not Mexican. Because um, I've seen, like, people on, on the other side of this who are Mexican saying, like, I, I'm not personally offended by a Speedy, Speedy Gonzalez impression. Um... But you know, it's up. It's up to they each to their own. Obviously, um, totally not. But yeah, true. he's he's cut. Someone at work asked me if I was Mexican the other week. You could pass off as Mexican. Like I think we used to call you Amit Gonzalez at one point. Maybe not to me because I don't remember that. <laughs> okay, so maybe we used to call you Amit Gonzalez sometimes behind your back and say Ketal to you every time we saw you, and you didn't realize that we were like referring to you being a Mexican. That would okay, happen sometimes. Okay, now you said Ketal, that does kind of like bring something back. So maybe I've just requested. <laughs> I mean, you know, the childhoods that we had. Like, I'm not surprised you we don't repress more sometimes. <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> Um, but, um, have they had a release yeah. date for uh, Space Jam 2? Yes, yeah, so my favourite bit about all of this is um, Space Jam 2 is coming out the day before my birthday. Oh, really? Yeah, I even wrote it in the notes. I was like, it's Destiny. It's coming out on the... Uh, I'm not going to give my birthday out on, on a, a goddamn public podcast. But yeah, well, people can Google it and figure it out. So it's coming out on the 21st of July. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's really cool. What a fantastic birthday treat. Maybe, maybe the listeners can buy us tickets to, to see it if the pandemic's definitely still going to be going on by then and we probably still won't be able to go to cinemas. Um, so don't don't buy us tickets to see it. It's probably going to get released on, like, uh, H- uh, I was going to say HBO Max. It'll be released on that Warner Brothers service, won't it? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, either where, Wherever it gets released on, I'm definitely going to be watching it within the first week, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want to take the next piece of news? So, the next piece of news is just a bit of speculation. Um, I saw a few articles on. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are kind of thinking that maybe since the Mario 35th anniversary ends on March 31st, people will think as soon as this is over with, 
we're finally going to get a Zelda 35th. <laughs> I mean, I, f- I feel it's a bit hopeful, but uh, <laughs> what do you think? Um, I think they want to keep the focus on Skyward Sword for the time being, <laughs> because Skyward Sword will want all the help it can get. Um, so Definitely. I don't think we're going to be getting any, any major Zelda announcements for a little bit of time until maybe like just before Skyward Sword comes out. Yeah, I think, I think it'll probably be around the same kind of time that we got the uh, Mario 35th, so it'll probably be yeah. like November, October time. Then again, when they did... Um, when they did the Mario one, they did 3D All-Stars, and that came out the month after, and then they did um, 3D World, and that was, like, planned for six months after or whatever, right? Yeah. So there's not, it's not to say that they'll turn around and say, oh, we can't do something because Skyward Sword's about to come out. It's just weird to me that they would announce Skyward Sword and then leave it for a while, um, but I'm assuming it's because people are less hyped about this than they would be, like, 3D yeah. All-Stars. Yeah. I think um I think I think you're completely right. Um, in when you've previously said they don't want to like cannibalize their own sales, um, mm-hmm. I would happily eat my words though. Yeah, I would too, man. Like, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy if they come out with like um, uh, we're asking for a lot to be honest, considering it's a pandemic year. But I would be happy if they came out with like a two D Zelda. Um, I don't think they will because I think all the resources at the moment will be focused on um. On, on Breath of the Wild 2. Mm. At the same time, the people who make the 2D Zeldas now, the the, the Link's Awakening and the last couple, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and also the, the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask 3D games, um, they're, they're made by Grezzo. Oh. So they're not made by like Nintendo's main in-house, yeah. um, in-house developers like how uh, Breath of the Wild would be. So there's nothing to say we can't get that. It's just, again... I, I don't know if they will cannibalize them their own sales because there's there's a lot of different things and I don't know do you do do you think that w- I I just don't see it being a possibility, even though that's what I want. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. Mm-hmm. I've got to say I mean like you've got to really look at it from a business point of view, don't you? At the end of the day, mm-hmm. they want to maximize their profits for the games that are coming out, and then they can move on. Um, but like I said, I would happily eat my words, but either way, we're in for a good year, whatever happens. Yeah, absolutely. I'll get a Skyward Sword when it comes out and finally give it a go. And if I hate it, I hate it. And if I love it, then I'll, I'll, I'll like vehemently defend it on this podcast and say everyone everyone I have ever spoken to was wrong, including you. But, you know, if, if the time comes, the time comes. <laughs> I mean, would that... No, you have played Ocarina of Time as well, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played um, Ocarina and... Uh, bits of Majora and uh, like pretty much all the 2D games and okay. Breath of the Wild. Um, the only ones I haven't played are the the longer 3D games, so Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword um, and obviously Wind Waker because Wind Waker is still only on GameCube. And so I'd, I'd still definitely recommend you play Wind Waker and uh, Twilight Princess because they are fantastic. So, so literally, um, with those two, I am just waiting on the HD versions to be released on, on the Switch. Because Wind Waker specifically, um, I know of the improvements that the HD versions made. Yeah, they were fantastic improvements. But this is the thing, is they not just improved the visuals, they made the game a million times less tedious. And um, 
if there's one way to appro- to to appeal to me, it's making it less tedious because they they um they reduced the rupee counts for those like you know you know the game better than I do obviously, yeah. but you you know you have to get those pieces of the maps to find the trifles right yep. or something, and you've got to pay and Tingle the, a hell of a lot of money for that. Yeah, and they reduce the amount of money that you have to pay Tingle because they realize that that portion of the game absolutely fucks up the pacing of the game. Yeah, and. I know that if I played the original, I would get to that point and quit. Like, I just know I don't have the patience for that kind of thing. I mean, so that's, that's, yeah, you raise a very good point. Um, generally speaking, though, one of my favorite things about this game is how cute it is and, like, how mm. expressive Link is. I don't know I've said that before. And, like, considering how the game actually ends, which is, like, obscenely brutal, it's yeah. it's quite just up there, just up there, blah, blah. It's quite funny to see happen. <laughs> It's like, it's, like, it's a juxtaposition. Just, juxtaposition, yeah, compelling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's hilarious to see him, spoilers, but uh, drive that sword in to Ganon. It's yeah. hilarious. It's a running theme, though, isn't it, with him like stabbing Ganon in the head? Yeah. Ganondorf. But when, he's, when, when he, he's like Link is two foot tall, and then he jumps up <laughs> and just drives a sword straight through his head. <laughs> it's um, it's probably the Zelda game that's got the best art like it's the it's aged the best out of all the ones that have come out except oh, yeah, for maybe definitely. breath of the wild yeah, yeah. and, and skyward sword is still a very pretty game um but i think anything around that time like it easily beats out um uh like any anything that came before it but also maybe even twilight princess which which is unfair because twilight princess is uh it's intentionally more uh realistic looking it's a realistic in uh inverted com- commas but necess- yeah uh, Wind Waker, the cartoony art style, just I I I love the look of it. It's it's beautiful. It really is. Mm. Um, for the final piece of news, we have a official confirmation of the uh, uh, Zenimax slash Bethesda purchase mm-hmm. from Microsoft. So the official, the official, uh, final amount of money that they paid is $7.5 billion, um, or as I like to call it, pocket change. Um, um, but but um, uh, I, I think people have been speculating that will this be affecting exclusives that are going to be only on the Xbox? So uh, uh, just to recap, some of the things that Bethesda own is like Doom, Elder Scrolls, uh, Dishonored, um, Fallout. These are all fucking huge games yeah, huge franchises games. so people will be wondering whether that will give them a exclusivity over those so technically yeah like they would they would have that exclusivity um i personally don't think they will carry i i don't think they will um like do a nintendo and say everything we own is only ever available on our consoles yeah. because one microsoft have never they don't. They don't really act like that anymore. Any and also, it would be fucking stupid to do that. Yeah, from what I understand, you'd lose out on such a huge market for like other consoles, wouldn't you? Exactly, because the Elder Scrolls Skyrim like is on everything, mm-hmm. including your fucking refrigerator at this point, right? Um, and 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 even like Doom twenty sixteen, Doom Eternal, they're ported on the Switch. They're everywhere. So. I don't think it would be worth for losing those revenue streams, even if you might be getting more people to buy and invest in Xboxes, if you can give them uh, exclusives such as like those games. Um, my main my main point of contention in that argument is the Xbox doesn't sell very well in Japan, and that's such a huge market. I think they just they just can't afford to like lose out on it. Yeah, no, that's true. 
I mean, have they actually played any Bethesda games? I think, mean, like, well, they are massive, huge titles, but none yeah. of them have actually ever really appealed to me. I've played, I mean, you've played uh, my first uh, share, Doom, haven't you? Played Doom. I've played um, bits and bobs of Fallout. Uh, I've played bits and bobs of Dishonored. Again, um, these are the sort of games which, uh, like. I always refer to you as adult games if in, in like a really patronizing kind of way by accident. But basically it's like if I was a, a conventional adult gamer, that's what that's the kind of stuff I would play. But instead I'm here playing like uh, fucking Mario 3D All-Stars, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm kind of, I, I prefer my cute shit. So I'm, I'm out here playing Animal Crossing Mario, <laughs> to playing with Toon Link. Yeah, I prefer my cute shit, to be honest. But this is exactly what I mean. Like I... um. I remember talking to a few people who are like gamers and stuff, and they were saying, "Oh man, I'm so excited! Sephiroth is going to be in Smash Bros." And they're like, "Oh, you you play Smash Bros? Like, uh, isn't that? Um, I've never given it a go." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, because again, they're they're like the main the more mainstream adult gamers is the best way to put it. I, I, even though I don't I don't mean it in any kind of way. I'm not pigeonholing people. I just that's always been the 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 way I've looked at it. Which is you know, which it's like is, which is fair enough, Call of Duty. To be honest, I think. Yeah, you know, it's each to their own. Whatever you enjoy, just keep doing it. There's no, there's no harm in being any any kind of specific gamer, you know. Yeah. I mean, so like, just do whatever makes you happy. I mean, like gaming is like a proper selfish activity. Like you enjoy what you enjoy, and if you don't, you kind of really don't pick it up again, do you? No, exactly. It's it's you're only doing it for yourself. You're not playing with other people all the time, are you? So, if you don't enjoy something, don't don't do it. <laughs> that's yeah, that's my motto. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair enough. I think. Yeah. Um, is there anything uh, you wanted to add? Uh, nope, I am all out of news. <laughs> I was about to say that yawn was quite indicative of like the, <laughs> the end of the, the news catch-up bit. So I was like, okay, Amrig's bored, let's move on. <laughs> okay, cool. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are moving on to the main topic this week, which is... Uh, as we have been promising for, I think, two weeks, three weeks now, mm-hmm. the full review slash recap slash uh, future speculation of WandaVision. Uh, so, it finished the last oh, Friday. Yes, it, did. No, yes, it, it, it did. It finished, yes, it finished last Friday. And, um, and, and, and we got a lot of answers, so we thought now would be a good time to finally do our own review. Because... You know, it's one of those things you could do like a week by week, but mm-hmm. I feel like we'd never be able to do it justice that way, especially me and you, where we don't really, um, we never like get into like the crux of it, if you know what I mean. Like we, we're not the, the fan theorists and stuff, so we've never been, I think doing it episode by episode would probably do a little bit of injustice to it, whereas um, now we can look at the whole series yeah. and look we, back at it. And you've definitely got the bigger picture to look at now, which I think will be super helpful when you're trying to analyze it. When you... Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, um, I think a good place to start would be with the setting. So, um, do, do you want to kick us off? Well, can I just point out that WandaVision is such a difficult word to say? <laughs> do, do you think so? Oh, yeah, because if you said, oh, yeah, I'm watching WandaVision right now to someone. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, <laughs> it sounds like you're saying one division. Yeah, I, one one division. I kept calling it Wunderwiesen, like a German. Uh, I, I kept calling it Wunderwiesen or 
Juan the Vision, like the Count. Uh, there's there's a lot. Most of the most of the accents that I say the freight I say the show's name in are all European. But, but I don't know if I mean Sokovia is meant to be in Europe. Yeah, it, it's supposed to be. It's like generic. It's, it's generic Europe town. Yeah, <laughs> like generic former Soviet bloc. <laughs> It's like generic former Soviet bloc, anywhere that like Americans used to be kind of at war with, yeah. and also ne- ne- nearly at odds with, and yeah, anywhere that there used to be tension, we can then put put a story there. So I imagine in in like uh, what fifty years, we're just gonna get like an abundance of movies in in like Syria and Yemen. Probably <laughs> Is, like, yeah. the way things go. Probably. Yeah, I mean there there are a fair few in Syria already, but like with the way it's deteriorated over the last what ten ten years, like. Mm. Geez, we're gonna they're gonna have a field day in like fifty years, aren't they? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Knowing Hollywood, um, but yeah, but yeah, uh, uh so do you, do you want to kick us off? I, I don't mind. So yeah, so the first episode, um, brilliantly called a film before a live studio audience. Mm-hmm. Um, they get straight into it, don't they? Um, you, the aspect ratio completely changes, um, to what we currently used to. And you mm-hmm. dive into the town of Westview in, what is it, 1950s, I think it was, right? Yes, so it's 1950s. Um, and it, I think the big inspiration on that sort of era is the Honeymooners. Um, if you're familiar with that. <coughs> oh, yes, definitely. Uh, the kind of, like the, one what, of these... the man and wife kind of dynamic. Of the yeah, exactly. It's like, one of, one of these days, I'm going to, like, he, he keeps threatening to beat her up kind of thing. to the moon. Yeah, exactly. Basically, so um, that would that was a sort of like the setting for the first game, uh, first first episode. Jesus Christ! Except they, like don't, the... they don't threaten each other every like two seconds. Yeah, because that would be horrible, um, and also that kind of stuff isn't very funny nowadays. No, where you know we're more aware of these things, but also, goddamn, I nearly broke into calling it a game because clearly we've had so many gaming centric episodes recently that I nearly started acting like One Division was also a game. Um, but anyway. So, what I love the most about the first episode is how fucking unsettling it is. Like, I, I, I don't know about you, but I was freaked out when I was watching it. I was like, this is so, like, um, nice, and um, it's so campy and nice that it was unsettling. Because I knew, I was like, something is really off and bad here. That, that's, I think that was a beauty of the series in general, because they don't label what it is until the final few episodes. And that just yes. creates, like, an underlining a level of tension... Distru- distrust it, you're just like what's happening what's happening what's happening and it works they really use that to their advantage I think they do because what's great is that these series is like this is the first time that we're getting series that are like based on, on, on massive multimedia f- film franchises right that it still involved the same actors yeah and it's great because obviously you're invested in these characters, you know, uh, uh, obviously Scarlet Witch and the Vision. I mean, what, Age of Ultron was 2014, so we've been with them for seven years. Oh, God. Exactly. So, you know, you you are constantly, I don't know if it was just me, but I was like constantly kind of like, I hope nothing bad happens to her or him. Because at this point, you, you, you are kind of comfortable with them. You don't want to, yeah. you don't want Scarlet Witch to all of a sudden get written off. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like you said, there's just something, like, you know there's something sinister going on. Like, the numbers just don't add up. Um, Exactly. And what I think really plays into this so well is how 
the setting for the first episode, like you said, the honeymoon is everyone is kind of so happy and like proper. I don't know, like typical kind of Americana for that kind of like decade. Like everyone's so, oh, hi there, neighbor. It yes. just kind of adds to it, doesn't it? It's the per the, the the person who like emphasizes that the best and freaked me out the most was Agnes, obviously, yeah. <laughs> because she's the one who plays it up the best. Yeah, she does. Um, and and at that point, you you know, you just see her as like a, a normal townsperson, mm-hmm. and it's just like this is um, this is fucking weird. Like, I need to know what's happening here. They set it up so well. They yeah. start off really, really well, and um, they start off strongly. What um, what struck me immediately is like they give you zero answers. Yeah. So you're it's almost like they're doing as as they say like an actual sitcom episode um based in its own own reality and its own rules and um and its own like lore and stuff and you've got the vision who's working at this company and he's like hiding the fact that he's a robot but then <laughs> he's also not being like completely subtle about it yeah. and yet everyone like they make a lot of jokes about him being a robot and and uh, and uh, she's like trying to embed herself in the town and yeah. not stand out too much and and kind of get to know the neighbors and it's like this is all your very typical you, you get i get got quite caught up in like the 1950s setting of like oh i wonder if they're gonna settle in with this with the neighbors and stuff and it's like oh i forgot that this is like a superhero thing and there's something else going on at the same time because what for example there's that episode where um wonder's having to deal they're having to do like the the town talent show kind of thing and um she's dealing with the 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 wives club kind of thing and i remember thinking i was like oh yeah then what's gonna happen next with the wives club and it's like oh wait I forgot. It's a TV. It's a superhero TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like you get so wrapped up with their kind of day to day goings on, you kind of totally forget for an instant. This is actually a show about superheroes. Mm-hmm. And like it totally just keeps you guessing. I mean, like what I loved about the first episode is they, as a couple in their own home, they look at the calendar to see a heart on the on the calendar on the yeah. on today's date back in the episode. Uh, but neither of them know what that heart is there for. None of them know the actual reason for it, and it, yeah, they think it's an anniversary. Yeah, and it, when... it, it's it's worrying that they're in this situation, but even like they don't know what's happening. Yeah, because that's what that's what kind of establishes it, yeah. isn't it? Because you know, you would um, you would naturally assume, uh, knowing Scarlet Witch's powers and stuff, that she was behind it. Yeah, um, going on like face value mm-hmm. and stuff, and then. As that episode sort of unravels, you're like, maybe she also doesn't know. Like, maybe somebody's doing this to her. And the big bit which, um, which like, properly sold that was when the outside tried to make contact with her. And they're like, who's doing this to you? And I'm like, oh, shit, is, is someone actually doing this to her? Is it, like, Mephisto? Is it uh, one of Doctor Strange's enemies? Yeah. You, you know, you really want to know what's going on. Yeah, and, um, I mean, like, like you said, on, on that note, like, first episode ends with someone watching WandaVision on a, exactly. on an old-timey kind of TV, and that really adds mm-hmm. to the kind of, like, mystique of the entire situation, I think. I mean, like, one of my yeah. favourite things about this series in general was how much each episode kind of left so much, to, like, up to, like, speculation. Yeah. And you'd be talking to people, or you'd kind of be floating your ideas, they'd come across with different ideas, and it was just great to talk about, I think. This was the beauty of having it um, 
like the novelty of having it week to week yeah. instead of getting and binging it because you genuinely built up so much uh, like speculation of what's going to happen next and because everybody it's like in the zeitgeist everybody's talking about it all at the same time you're all embedded in like the memes and the the the, the what's going to happen and it's like such a good talking point between you yeah definitely 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 um should we move on to the uh, second episode Yes, yes. So um, they... Uh, is it at the very end of the first episode they start to get colour? Uh, no, that's the end of the second episode. Okay, that's, okay. take it away. So <laughs> the second episode is called Don't Touch That Dial. Um, mm-hmm. They jump forward a decade. To the 60s. Yes, they do. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure what kind of um, TV show they're trying to go over on this one. I'm not sure if it's like Happy Days or something. Uh, I like, think Happy Days was seventies, isn't it? I'm not, this is the problem, is that like I don't I think Happy Days was based in the fifties, but it was actually in the seventies. Okay. Yeah, it's like based on the fifties. Or yeah, or is it the other way around where it was it was in the fifties but it was based on the seventies? <laughs> does that make any does that make any sense? No. Um I obviously these these shows are going to be referenced that like we're not going to know what they are because we weren't born for a fair while. Got it. But um, got it. This this um, so don't trip that down. Um, it mm-hmm. basically kind of going on the whole kind of bewitched kind of vibe. Bewitched. Okay, is that the TV show about the, the, witch. the witches and like yeah yeah the witches in in the ha- in the neighborhood kind of thing? So uh, it, it's so very fitting. Yeah, it it works really well. So do you want to take us through a recap of what happens? So, um, so this is the actually episode where they prepare for the talent show that you were talking about, where Wanda and Agnes spend the day with their kind of wives off the um, Westview area, um, mm. planning a talent show to raise funds for something or another. But this is also where you meet one of the key characters in this, um, then another neighbour by the name of Geraldine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also when you start to kind of initially notice like Wanda's um, kind of lack of control on what's going on I mean yeah. at, at this stage we're still black and white but she notices strange things like a yellow toy yellow and red toy helicopter which is totally in colour against mm-hmm. the entire backdrop and I mean there's a moment during the planning committee for the talent show where one of the wives cuts her hand and then the blood's in red, but everything else is in black and white. And it really is quite unnerving to see all that, to be honest. That was the point. So it's when they're planning the talent show, is when um, so one of the other main characters, their voice starts playing on the radio. As I said, it goes like, wonder what's happening to you, who's doing this to you, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then she's, she's stood there having to really think about it, like, wait, what's happening to me? And then... I think that's where you first get the moment, the first kind of like moment of denial where she just kind of shuts it off yeah. and they carry on as they were before. Um, as you mentioned, so Geraldine, Der- Geraldine comes in and she's talking to Wanda and they're talking through the um, the planning committee and then the lady who is like the head honcho in the yeah. town um, that they're all trying to impress and they're like, oh yeah, you need to win her over to get on her good side. Um She's like getting really angry at them for talking while she's in the middle of her uh, planning meeting and stuff. Um, so it's like very typical sitcom kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, this lady is the boss, and we all need to we all need to bow to her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's interesting to see, um, I mean, how, how the episode plays out, like, you really do kind of get wrapped up in, like, Wanda's little magic show that she has with Vision to raise money for mm-hmm. the, um, for the evening, but it's, I did really enjoy that, like, um, so, Vision gets a bit of gum stuck in his system, stuck in him. and yeah. that kind of makes him come across as quite drunk and intoxicated, drunk. Um, yeah. So while he's kind of pulling off his kind of vision, well, powers, superpower routine, yeah, um, Wanda's kind of covering up for him with her own kind of bond of magic, which is a lovely little treat, I think. That was that bit was amazing. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh my god, how is he flying? And then she's like, oh look, it's strings that just magically appeared. Like surely those people would have noticed the strings. Obviously, they're under her illusion anyway to begin with, but surely they would have noticed the strings. Even if that was real, um, and then there's a bit where he um, he picks up a car, and then it turns out to be cardboard or something. That was brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and then she just she turns around to him at the end, and she's like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" And then she realizes that the gum is inside of him, so she uses her powers to like bring it back up. Because yeah, <laughs> it's strange. like the the idea is the gum. After he took a piece of the gum, he che- he started chewing it, and then it got stuck in his gears. <laughs> In, in inside of the vision's body, which I loved as as like a little, because um, obviously the vision's body isn't just gears, <laughs> but it's brilliant. It's like the gum got the gears stuck, and he just became really drunk as a result of it. Um, and that's where you get a little bit of play with like the so you get a fair amount of play with like the um, the insignificant side characters in the town mm-hmm. in the first couple of episodes because uh, obviously not a lot of the major players have been introduced by that point so that's where you get like um, in in the first episode the dinner or was the second episode the the dinner with uh, Vision's boss where he's trying to impress him in order to get like the promotion mm-hmm. and his and his wife who's played by Deborah. Joe Rupp, the um the the mum from that seventy show, and oh, yeah. it's like they're doing uh, uh like oh let me come in the kitchen and help you no stay out here look do this instead and like it's um as I said it plays into the sitcom tropes really well and then in the second episode when they're doing the talent show and it's pretty much the same thing where you get people like the um that that Indian dude who's in the Vision's office yeah and like even he has some really good moments in that that fit really well for um the 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 sitcom setting. I mean, yeah, it works brilliantly. I've already got to say. Um, I think. Well, I love the idea. Sorry, it's like the idea that the writers had to sit there and think. Right, so we need to write like the actual Wonder Vision stuff, but then we also have to write these like mini sitcoms that we're that for for that we're gonna have to like based in each era. We're gonna have to like write mini sitcom dialogue. So it's like, what would people in this era find funny? Then what would people in like ten years later find funny? Stuff like that. The, I mean, these sorts of jokes. I mean, you've really got to tap your hat to them because they pulled it off flawlessly. Um, yeah, like, I mean, like like you've mentioned previously, like at moments you forget what you're actually watching, and you get so involved with the sitcom elements that you kind of momentarily forget about the actual superhero stuff that we're we're meant to be kind of what we're actually here for and the structures of the episode really hone that in because throughout the episode is easy to forget but the ending of every episode um especially at the beginning uh like fully plays up the mystery and makes you remember oh like wait there's a bigger i forgot there's a bigger picture here i need to see what happens next because what the fuck is happening like the first few episodes you always come away from it thinking, what the fuck is happening? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, for the the ending of the second episode, Don't Touch That Dial, um, mm-hmm. when they finish the talent show and go home, 
uh, Wanda basically becomes visibly pregnant. Yes. And yes. if that doesn't beg what the fuck, um, <laughs> they have a moment when they step outside the house, they see a beekeeper emerging from a manhole on the street, and yeah. then Wanda basically says, no, stops everything, and resets everything. And then the setting changes inside the house, and Carla gets brought up into this kind of black and white setting, and it moves into the 70s. I mean, we've gone from kind of questioning whether it's someone doing this to Wanda, or does she actually have control, which I thought was quite brilliantly done. And it's like, the idea is that... <clears throat> The setting changes is all is all chaotic, and it's like yeah. it it really like links back to the idea of this is all chaos magic. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So she suddenly becomes pregnant, and then suddenly there is like color around her. Yeah, and um, because they, they they briefly mention in conversation like you know maybe we should have a baby or something, and then she just suddenly becomes like heavily pregnant. Yeah, she does. She literally you you watch her stomach suddenly just grow, don't you? Yeah, exactly. So then we get into the third episode, mm-hmm. um, and then you probably know the title of this because I don't remember. So the third episode is we interrupt this program. Um, like we said, uh, this is suddenly becoming color. Um, mm-hmm. I've been reading around uh, about it. Uh, it's kind of paying more kind of homage to the Brady Bunch, and also the oh. Mary Tyler Moore show. Okay. Okay, cool. The Brady Bunch, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess it's like whatever was the most famous sitcom at that time. And yeah, like I can't really get that much bigger than those two shows. Um, so in this episode, Wanda is progressively getting more pregnant her. <laughs> yeah, she is. I mean, it starts off, so now in colour now starts off with her being examined by a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, who says that she's four months pregnant. <laughs> and then all of a sudden... Um, she just gets, like, have more pregnant, and then Vision has to go interrupt the Doctor. So but the B story is that Vision has to go and, like, find the Doctor, interrupt him from him going on his holiday, and be like, hey, I know you just saw her, and she was really, really... She was, like, just a few months pregnant. Now now she's, like, crazy pregnant. What the hell is happening? You need to go check her out. Um, and throughout this episode is where we start getting more play for... Um, for uh, uh, Geraldine. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, what's her, what's her fake name? Uh, Geraldine. So she starts coming into Wanda's house and she's like, oh, uh, let me help. And she actually helps Wanda because what ends up happening is Wanda becomes so pregnant, she actually gives birth mm-hmm. to twins. Yeah. Um, so in the span of one episode, she's just gone from being like, oh, I might have a baby to, oh, shit, I'm, I'm, I'm having these babies right now. Yeah. And Geraldine coaches her through, and she's like basically her midwife. Yeah. I mean, what I love about the whole kind of situation is as she gets progressively more pregnant um, and she starts having, like, contractions and kind of Brexton Hicks, that kind of stuff, um, her contractions kind of kind of initiate her powers and she yeah. starts uh, moving things around the house. She brings a stalk into reality. Uh, <laughs> it, it's quite interesting. Hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. I like to mention though also you have a really very really um, weird moment as as Geraldine's coaching um Wanda through the giving birth the process of giving birth inside the house Vision yeah. catches Agnes and Herb gossiping outside mm-hmm. um I think slightly before that we see Herb unknowingly cut through the the wall between the, the fence the fences between yeah. the house when he's meant to be doing the hedge I mean that was super weird 
Yeah, because it, it really drove home the idea that outside of when they're in the main story, these people are on autopilot. Yeah. And Vision is like, what is going on? Because he's still smart enough to realize like something is kind of off here. Mm-hmm. Um, the bit where Agnes is talking at the fence to those two other people who are in the neighborhood as well. And she is talking about Geraldine and she's like, she's not from here. Yeah. And putting doubts about Geraldine into, um, into, into vision. Yeah. And she taps the other guy, like the other neighbors on the shoulder. And you can see that they're like more in a trance. Mm-hmm. Whereas Agnes is kind of, you can see yeah. physically she's she got, is in she's, more she's control of herself. More, yeah. More control over the situation as well. Absolutely. So that kind of plants the seeds. Yeah, it really And does. what you end up getting um, straight after that is Geraldine is in, in the house with Wanda. Um, Vision then asks who, who Geraldine is because apparently she doesn't have a house. And I'm like, wait, are they trying to address the homeless issue in this episode or something? Yeah, um, the problems but... with homelessness in uh, Westview. <laughs> and it's like she's really well-dressed for a homeless person. Um, but what ends up happening is uh, Wanda confronts uh, Geraldine, because Geraldine mentions her dead brother Pietro, yeah, how, as who, as we know, was Quicksilver mm-hmm. from uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah. Um. So this is really it gets strange because Wanda, based as she asks uh, Wanda about Pietro, and mentions it, well, that's when Wanda notices the sword pendant um, that she's wearing. Yeah. And Wanda basically loses a shit in front of her two new newborn babies and expels um Geraldine from what is now come to be known as the Hex, which is the kinda area around Westview. Exactly. And she not just expels her, she throws her through several walls. Yeah. Like in throwing her out of the hex. Yeah, you get like an astonishing display of power for from Wanda. She really mm-hmm. forces her through like so many, so many, so many <laughs> walls. It's quite horrific to see. Um, also strange that uh, um, I think at this point Vision's fetching the doctor, isn't he? Yes, Vision's fetching the doctor, and then um, he he like turns around to her at the end and goes, "What happened to Jeldry?" It's like, "Oh, she had to go home." Yeah, and. It's like she's not from here, she had to go home. Um, but what I love is when Geraldine mentions Pietro, um, Wanda's, Wanda's accent breaks. Because this whole time, yeah. Wanda is speaking in this like very typical American accent. Yeah, she is. And all of a sudden, she just slips back into Sokovian. And she's like, Pietro, something, my brother, something like that. And um, And it's like... There's almost like a dawn of realization, and it's that point where we realize, oh wait, maybe she's not actually in control. Because if she was fully in control, she would remember her brother and be like a hundred percent clear about the whole thing, right? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So then she expels Geraldine. Geraldine goes flying out of the hex, <laughs> and we end up with the basically the preview for episode four, uh, which is. As Amrik will let us know is titled. Um, so I just want to mention just one, well, two things actually. Um, okay. We haven't mentioned that this, uh, so One Division actually has um, commercials. Yes, yes, it does. It <laughs> yeah, has so. uh, mini mini commercials inside of it. They're like yeah. fake commercials, which at times kind of adds to the mystery because we get um, a lot of um, commercials for kind of stock industry products like toasters. But then you yeah. also get, um, so for episode three, New in Colour, which we are just talking about, the commercial in this was for uh, Hydra bath soap. 
<laughs> which is which is sinister <laughs> uh, and very strange to see, but it's it's a nice touch of detail there. I've got to say, um, I'm kind of reading the behind the behind the scenes bit for this episode. Apparently, this mm-hmm. this entire episode was lit with tungsten lights, which was very common for the seventies era era where they were doing like uh, TV recordings, which is a nice kind of nod and a nice kind of detail and really kind of adds to the kind of realism behind it. What are tungsten lights? Is it just like so a specific, a specific type of... uh, lighting kind of module, kind of specific kind of lighting system that they'd use for kind of TV shows back then? Okay, that's. I love the little nuances like that when it comes to trying to pay homage to specific errors. It's like, okay, we're going to do it exactly like how they did it, but not completely like that they they did it, so that it doesn't look like shit. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a brilliant. It's brilliant. It works. Mm, exactly. Um, what was the, was that the other thing you wanted to mention? <laughs> oh yeah, that was the other thing. Okay, great. Um, cool. So, and then we end up in episode four, and uh, as as as. A, what America's about to tell us. I think it's called something like, uh, um, like a peek behind the curtain or something. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's called a, We Interrupt This Program. So it takes <laughs> a massive departure from the sitcom um, scenarios we've been seeing with um, Vision and Wanda. Yes. And it basically gives us um, some more details regarding um, Geraldine, oh. who has now just been violently expelled from the Hex. So... We haven't actually mentioned this, but it, they actually cover who Geraldine is um, in... Do do they touch on Geraldine before this, if I'm not mistaken, or is it just from here? Just from here onwards, this is where they start talking about who Geraldine is. Cool. Yeah. So, this is like the first of the the episodes which actually build on the plot <laughs> and, and really reveal things to us. So, what we end up getting is that Geraldine is actually uh, Monica Rambo, who is the daughter of Maria Rambo, who was, if you guys remember from Captain Marvel, she's uh, Captain Marvel's best friend, mm-hmm. who is also uh, an amazing like pilot, and she's in the Air Force, and uh, she's like um, this this hero to, um, to 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 Monica, who ends up becoming somebody who like wants to be like her, mm-hmm. um, and she is played by Tiona Paris. So anyway. Um, Monica Rambo, as it turns out, infiltrated the Hex because she is actually a sword agent. So they go into the background of, like, what um, what happened in those five years is because Monica was one of the people who got snapped away. So she came back, and when she came back, she was actually in the hospital as she came back. And the revelation is that Maria is actually dead. Um, she didn't die when Monica was um, snapped away because she had cancer then, but then the cancer came back a few years later and then she died. Um, and, and Monica wakes up in the middle of a hospital where all of a sudden a, like, a bunch of other people have just been snapped into reality and everyone's just like, what the fuck is going on? The people who, are, who have like, been there all along are just like, whoa, all these new people, what's going on? And the people who got snapped back into reality are now like, you know, they still think it's five years ago. Yeah. I mean, so, it, it, it paints, yeah. all in all, it paints a really kind of terrifying situation. I mean, like you said, Monica comes back thinking that it's still present day before the blip. Uh, yeah. She gets told by a frantic doctor that her mother, had, like you said, has died of cancer. And, yeah, it really paints a really chaotic and disturbing image of what life was like when people were brought back. 
What's crazy though is this is like the most stark contrast to the scene in Avengers Endgame yeah. when people are brought back. Because obviously then it's like triumphant as fuck. Yeah. And this is like, no, these are just normal people. And like this whole thing, even being brought back, is just cr- too much for them. Yeah. Like it, it's still, it's nice to be back, but it's also like chaotic. It's just more than the average person can take. And you really get that emphasized with Monica Monica's arc because... She's just like, the fuck, where did my mom go? And and what happened to my life? Like, I was going to become the commander of S.W.O.R.D. Because that's what they reveal later on in the episode, yeah. is Monica goes back to work. She's then got an outdated ID pass, because obviously she's not been there for five years. Um, and they reveal that the, um, the person who is in charge of S.W.O.R.D., because S.W.O.R.D. was actually, like, if I'm not mistaken, founded, or uh, it was, like, headed by Maria, yes. Monica's mum. Yes, yes. And uh, the person in charge is now somebody who used to work under Monica back in back in the day, mm-hmm. who is now like the head honcho. So he's appreciative that like, oh yeah, you know, you probably would be running this place if you didn't get snapped away. And and Monica probably already knows that. So there's that dynamic then yeah. that is added to the show of like, you know, not resentment because I don't think you can. I don't think you get that element of like her disliking him for taking her her yeah. job. But it's like you know, he then has to kind of enforce that superiority on her and it's like, who the fuck are you? And I love that. Yeah, they they played it so well. I mean, like, you don't catch it initially, but it becomes Mm. apparent quite quickly. Exactly. So anyway, Monica um, goes back to work for S.W.O.R.D. and she ends up investigating... This is literally just three weeks later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She goes straight back to work after getting, like, blipped back into existence. It's like, there's no cool-down period for people like that. I mean, let's be honest. You just have to get on with it. She's probably not even grieved for her mother. She's just totally just back at it. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just like, you know, fuck it. Don't have time. Just got to get back to us. (laughs) But um, she then goes to investigate uh, the Westview, basically, because they, they have reports that way things are going on. So she ends up meeting up with um, the best character in the series, uh, J- Jimmy, Jimmy Woo. Oh, I'm so glad they brought Jimmy Woo back, because he was like the <laughs> shining star of Ant-Man and the Wasp. He was, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was, I, I, he was I just love... like adorably like kind of fumbling along. He was so <laughs> awkward. Um yeah, he's fantastic. I love Randall Park. He's, like, he's, he's absolutely fantastic in this. He, and he is a buddy. He, I, 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 everyone, after Jimmy Woo got some more, like, screen time, everyone just like, I really want a Jimmy Woo series mm. where he has to, like, go around investigating, investigating weird shit that's going on, but he's still Jimmy Woo, like, yeah. the, love, the, the, bum, the buffoon, but, like, the lovable buffoon. Yeah, yeah, just give him, give him a van, a flashlight, <laughs> and his own little crack, crack little team, and yeah. let, let him have his own series. That'd be fantastic. I mean, my favourite thing about Jimmy Woo coming onto the scene, so, as, as you've said, um, Monica gets her first um, mission from S.W.O.R.D. to investigate mm-hmm. Westview, and that's where she meets FBI Woo, who, when he meets Wanda, he gives her, her his ID, but he does the kind of um, magic. He's basically learned the magic trick that... Um, um, that was shown in Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I thought was a fantastic little thing for Jimmy to actually get it down. What was that a callback to? So what happened in Ant-Man and the Wasp when so that happened? in Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, you, of course, have... Um, I forget what who's... I know it's Paul Wood, but I forget the character's actual name in 
Scott Lang. Scott, yeah. So you've got Scott, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, you have Scott Lang, who's under house arrest. Yeah. Um, for the crimes he's committed. Um, Civil Agent, War, yeah. Agent Wu is the FBI, FBI um, officer that's assigned to him and is doing regular mm-hmm. checks on him. Uh, when Agent Wu goes to visit um, um, Lang, um, Lang is basically explaining to him all the kind of stuff he's been doing, which includes close-up magic. Um, <laughs> Lang basically shows Wu his close-up magic, and Wu's basically like, oh my god, how did you do that? And then later <laughs> on in the movie, you got, you actually one of the agents walks in on Wu practicing close-up magic. That's an amazing call. I didn't realize that callback was a thing. Like that's that's actually fantastic. It was brilliant. So yeah. So, so Monica walks up and Wu just kind of snaps his ID literally from thin air, and it was hilarious. <laughs> he finally got it done, and I was so proud of him. <laughs> He's like the most lovable character in all of Marvel, isn't he? He really is. He really is. <laughs> so we don't just get um we don't just get introduced to to Agent Wu in this um, episode because we also get. Uh, this is the introduction of, uh, or reintroduction rather, mm-hmm. of uh, Darcy, or yeah. aka Cat Dennings yeah. from Thor. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Thor and the Dark Thor, but not the third Thor. The, not not the third Thor, but maybe the fourth Thor. She might be in the fourth Thor, but not the, <laughs> but not she wasn't in the third Thor. No, but she she's in the first two Thor. Yeah, she definitely's in the first two. Um, yeah, because she's a main character in the, like the second one, especially yeah. because she has to do like this. Um, they're trying to trap Christopher Eccleston, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and and like she has to. She's one of the people. She has to go like to a specific location. I don't remember the Dark Four very well. I don't remember um, either. Because it just was not a very good movie. But she um, she has to do something like she's a pretty key component. So it's good to see her back. Uh, I like I like her Dennings and. Um, she, yeah, she, she, she does a, her role really she's well. She's like a little... Um, she's basically the brains of the bunch. Because <laughs> it's, it's basically a trio of uh, Wu, Monica, and, um, and Darcy. Darcy. So, like, they're basically... Yeah. Darcy's the brains of the bunch. And she's the one they've kind of enlisted to investigate the... Uh, also, uh, Westview. She, um, she basically gives it its name, which is the Hex. The hex exactly because she she basically specializes in weird phenomena, isn't she? Because in in the um, the first four film, I think yeah, she kind of specializes in like spatial time kind of disruptions, that kind of thing. Because she um, yeah, she was she's like learning from Selvig yeah. from uh, in, in that in the second I think or the first or second one, mm-hmm. and um, she's like not even got her doctorate at that point. Whereas now she's like a full on doctor. Yeah, yeah um, she's got a doctor, which is fantastic. And she's um yeah, so she's the one assigned to investigate the hex and she like she's like she's the one who tunes in and realizes it's a goddamn TV show and starts watching it like it's a TV show, like she's like one of us basically, which is a great insight. Yeah, um, it was, it was. and then her and Jimmy just start keeping up to her, like, Oh, I can't I'm like really rooting for them. This is great. And she starts crying because there's one like emotional bit and and it's great because she's kinda like the uh the audience in the T V show. Yeah, she was. I think she's basically the one from the first episode that you see watching the show, I think. Probably. I don't think there's no... Because the way they play it off in the first episode, they make it out as if it's like um, the person behind the scenes. Yeah. Like the person who's who's stringing it all together. But it is, it's probably Darcy in that first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, uh, so they all get together and they are all having to investigate Westview and um, th- how do they end up figuring it out? It's Wanda? I think um, what happens basically is 
when Wu meets um, Monica, uh, mm-hmm. Monica decides she go she'll go into the hex, and yeah. that kind of leaves Wu kind of stuck on what to do. So he basically enlists further help, which includes Darcy Darcy Lewis, Doctor Darcy yeah. Lewis, should I say rather, um, mm-hmm. and. Um, so Darcy basically starts analysing the frequencies she finds that there's kind of cosmic radiation with a background of a TV signal behind it so she gets her old timey TV out and she starts watching like you said and that's where they see Geraldine well Monica Monica become Geraldine because they're like that from from what they understand, just like where has where has Rambo disappeared? Yeah. And then all of a sudden she just rocks up on this TV show mm-hmm. as a as a new character who doesn't realize who she is until that very scene where she ends up like spoiling her identity to exactly. um yeah. to to Wanda because from what I understand, um, Geraldine wasn't act like she wasn't acting. Mm-hmm. Um, she was actually thinking she was Geraldine yeah. up until. She mentions Pietro and then realizes, oh no, wait, I'm Monica. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So you, you can either point to one of two things: either Monica's got such a strong, strong kind of personality that she was able yeah. to momentarily break through Wanda when she was after the birth of her children. Um, but it's also worth mentioning that um, Darcy and Agent Wu basically send frequencies into the hex and try to use the radio to contact Wanda, which is what yeah. we see in the, the second episode where you hear Jimmy Woo on the radio saying, Wanda, who's doing this to you? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's just, yeah, exactly. So we're calling back to that. It's like episode four is the exposition explaining what's kind of going on um, yeah. from the outside influences, yeah, without giving away anything about what actually is going on um, in the grain, in the grand scheme of things. Like, they don't really go into that until a little bit later. Um, but this one's great because it gives, like, the... It's like the return to normality. Uh, as much as I was loving the, the sitcom, like, episodes... To finally get something of behind the scenes of like what's actually going on, the explanation um, was, that we were was, dying for. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because it was like anticipation for this episode was was pretty nuts, um, and yeah, to get like the outside, this is categorically what is what is uh, what we're seeing and like what's the fuck is what? How would real people see this? You know, um, so. Yeah, uh, it, it explains how Monica ends up going into the hex and then ends up getting, like, shot back out of it. And um, it catches us up from uh, Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy's perspectives up until that point. Uh, I mean... The, and then we get... There's a sorry? fantastic <laughs> moment in the fourth episode um, that we are just talking about. So, um, as Darcy's kind of watching the show with Jimmy Woo, um, mm-hmm. they get to a point where we actually see where Monica's about to question or about to ask Wanda about her brother, but then yeah. the episode cuts to an ending with her and Wanda sitting on the couch, and that's when suddenly there's an alarm sound going off, and Monica's thrown out of the hex quite violently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's expelled. Yeah. Um, because it's just one. It's just Wanda sat by herself, isn't it? Or yeah. her and Vision, and everyone's like, "What the fuck happened to Monica?" Like they're concerned about her because I was like, "What did Wanda do to her?" And then all of a sudden, um, so Monica's shot out, and she says to them, "She's like, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda," <laughs> and that's that's our first um, that's our first like 
lining of uh, who's doing, who's behind all of this. Yeah. Um, obviously, it doesn't tell the whole story, but it's like, uh, you know, that's actually, that is the case. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is later revealed is actually the case. Um, so then we get to episode five. Mm-hmm. And um, from here, they they kind of like do a dual um, narrative where they, they carry on keeping us up to date with what's happening with people outside of the hex, whilst also uh, keeping us up with, with um, Wanda mm-hmm. and Vision. Yeah. But from here, it's like the the episodes stop being as episodic. Yeah. In 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 terms of like, the sitcom stuff takes a bit of a back burner, mm-hmm. and it's more like the the weirdness and the mystery of it all is explored a little bit more. Yeah. Um. So yeah, do you want to do you want to give us a bit of uh, info about episode five? So episode five is called on a very special episode. Um. It's set in the kind of eighties and early nineties. Um, mm-hmm. kind of paying homage to um, series, sitcom series like uh, Family Ties and Growing Pains, which were massive back in the 80s and 90s. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, this episode we have um, the babies, um, One Dimension's babies, Billy and Tommy. Um, mm-hmm. We see a lot of them struggling with their <laughs> newfound little twins. And, yes. Um, this is a very creepy Agnes moment, which kind of makes you further kind of suspect of her. But she st- yes. always starts entering at moments where they kind of need a bit of help, but also as if yeah. it's... Too convenient. Too convenient, yes. So um, Agnes comes in and offers to help with the boys, and mm-hmm. Vision questions her behaviour. Yeah, because Vision is very clued up to it at this yeah. point. He's just like... I know something is wrong. He starts questioning Wanda at some point, and he's like, "Why? Why is it that like there are no children here?" Um, you've got the babies, and what they do with the babies is that the babies they they started off by doing like the typical "Oh my god, they want to stop crying" mm-hmm. kind of comedy thing, yeah. um, comedy trope, and then they're like, oh, "I wish they would just grow up a little bit already," and then they all of a sudden just grow up. <laughs> Um, and and then it turns out like the kids can like self age, yeah. which is very strange. Um, and and one thing that really kind of strikes out to to wonder to the vision especially, he's just like, how are we getting away with like these children changing age, and all of a sudden we have children and nobody's questioning us about it? Yeah, I mean, th- this is like these are the moments where vision really starts planting. I mean, towards the end of the fourth episode, really, where Vision really starts planting the seeds of doubt in his mind. And yeah. they kind of grow and flourish in later episodes. <laughs> yeah, there's no real going back with Vision at this point. So he, he's, like, fully... Um, he, he's a little bit disconnected from Wanda and, and what else is going on. Like, he still clearly gives a shit so much of a crap about her and the kids. But he's also questioning a lot of what's going on because he doesn't know and he can't remember anything from before all of this started. Um, and and we as a viewer are like, what's going on here? Is this the real vision? Like we we have no idea because if he can't if he they, once they reveal that he doesn't remember anything before um, uh, Westview, <laughs> we start to question: Is he just imaginary? Yeah, no, that's a very good point, and it's kind of the. It's it's a it's like the burning question that we all kind of ask ourselves after that. Every, yeah, like the question of, is vision real, and will he be able to survive the series? If that kind of makes sense. Yeah, because as I said, you you give a shit about vision because of your history with him, and you're like, this guy's already dead. I know what I know about him. 
he clearly doesn't know he's dead. Yeah. And and you get to a point where you're like, I don't think this, I don't think this vision, or at least this incarnation of the vision, is going to survive the whole series mm. because he's, um, yeah, he he doesn't seem to be the real vision. I mean, I think what really hurts most about thinking about it is you really, given the sitcom situation that Wanda and Vision are in, you really start mm-hmm. to love their dynamic as a couple that are finally together and they're actually having more or less the time of their lives and actually enjoying being together. That's what, that's the that's, thing. That's what really hurts most about thinking about it. Because they're like the the ill-fated, lo- the ill-fated lovers in, in Marvel because they just can't catch a fucking break as a couple. No, <laughs> they, no they definitely cannot. Uh, uh, back to the episode so um, as you said um, the kids suddenly age up to five years old Um, Mm -hmm. they suddenly get a dog that kind of randomly appears and then Agnes gives it the name Spoggy Um, Agnes kind of like does magic around Agnes which really concerns Vision and makes Uh, yeah Wanda yeah kind of yeah Wanda sorry does uh, some magic around (laughs) Agnes which which really kind of concerns uh, Vision. And the boys kind of age up to 10 years old when they get told that they could, they're they not old enough to um, have a dog. Own a dog. Yeah, they're like, you can't own a dog until at least you're until you're a bit older. Okay, how old? Or at least 10 years old. And they just look at each other like, well, here we go. And then age up, they're like, no, don't you fucking do it. Don't you do it. And then they turn into 10-year-olds. And it's like, yeah, what if Agnes just saw that? And she clearly sees it and just like, carries on yeah. and even vision is like what is going on why did she not react to that because that was outwardly very strange and that is the point as you said because wanda starts doing magic of her own around agnes yeah. and she's like oh look i've got the doghouse and um and and vision is like you can't do that you can't risk our identities and she's like oh i'm tired of hiding it and it's like you know you're becoming more and more engulfed in like wanda's ideal world yeah. where she doesn't have to pretend to hide who she is or vision hiding who he is um ar- around your average person uh, but vision is like fully red alert around her yeah um so also in this episode um after the boys kind of grow up um, vision goes back to work um he gets an email from the sword team basically which yeah. kind of reveals the situation in the west west view um which really takes off Quinn by shock. Um, based off that email, while he's still at work, he basically unhooks one of his colleagues from Wanda's kind of reality in the hex. It's a happy-go-lucky Indian guy. Yeah. Um, I forget his name, but... Um, I'll, he, I'll look it up. <laughs> but he basically has a mini breakdown saying that it hurts so much, he misses his family, he can't deal with this anymore. Vision is massively shocked and he panics and he puts the guy back in the hex <laughs> yeah he does doesn't he because um that guy's like i i my dad's really sick i need to know what's happened to him um this, his whole... name his name is asif ali oh, okay asif cool i was i was about to say you just felt weirdly like um you're like oh i know this guy i feel <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a nice bit of representation for us. I mean, it's it's super weird to see so many people of colour in, like, uh, a uh, TV time, setting yeah. of, like, the 50s, I, 60s, and 70s. 
I thought exactly that. You know, in the first few episodes, I was like, there's a black guy and there's an Indian guy. And I was like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like sitcoms of this time would be so, so diverse. Do, do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of watching The Hobbit. Yeah. Because in The Hobbit, Peter Jackson's The Hobbit, you see a lot of people of colour in, uh, in some of the towns. Mm-hmm. Um... But then you move on to Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Ring. which obviously came, no came, was filmed first, and everyone there is white. Yeah. So that kind of leads you to believe that there must have been some kind of extinction event, <laughs> which kind of led to the people <laughs> of colour to die between the time of The Hobbit oh and Lord of the Rings. Oh my god! That's like, that's, that is like the fucking the, the, the darkest Lord of the Rings Tolkien-esque uh, uh, fan theory I've heard in a very long time, and I don't listen to many of them. But Jesus Christ, dude! <laughs> oh <my. laughs> That's just something I thought about like a few like oh many years ago when I first watched the Hobbit in the cinema. Yeah, it implies that they had like a purge of anyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah, that basi- wasn't basi- white. Basically, yeah. Huh. That's terrifying. <laughs> yes, it is. Anyway, back to the episode. So. Um, so yeah, um, Asif gets put into the hex again when Vision kind of panics about hearing all these kind of all this information. Um, Sword sends a drone into nineteen eighties Westview, which causes their dog to Wanda's dog to now run off. Yeah, and um, that drone is being controlled by Haywood. Um, this is where you really start to see Haywood's kind of ulterior motives come through because he actually planned to use that drone. To kill Wanda, but um, mm-hmm. she basically comes out of the hex with the drone and threatens Haywood to leave her alone. Yeah, essentially. So Haywood is trying to convince the team. They're like, "You can't kill Wanda," and uh, he's saying to to Monica and uh, Darcy, etc. And he's saying like she broke the Sokovia Court by using her powers outside of um, when they're instructed to, and that um, she she used her powers to break into Sword headquarters and to you know like basically fight us and take the vi- the vision's body by force and that's what's going on right now is we're just trying to get it back and uh, it's for the good of uh, mankind and so obviously we as the viewers know like this is bullshit because he's clearly he's clearly a bad guy yeah. um because anyone in power is bad uh, as as like these films tend to go oh very much so i mean like we we're not not implicitly told that what he's saying to monica is a lie but given his the history of marvel characters the people in charge are generally evil. Yeah, yeah. Like, besides Nick Fury, everyone else who has been in power tends to be kind of evil. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially um, in, like, corporate settings. I mean, there's... Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, after she um, throws the drone at Hatewood's feet, she goes back the, back into the hex. And this mm-hmm. is where Agnes finds that their dog their beloved dog Sparky is now unfortunately dead, and this is where we know she is full of shit because she just goes, "Oh no, the dog! I found it, and she's dead. She just died in the bushes. Uh, she ate like a poison berry or something, and she's dead." And it's like, that's super convenient, Agnes. Yeah, <laughs> I was like super suspicious. Like, yeah, we'll we'll come back <laughs> to that though. Um, but this yes. is also the point where Vision kind of confronts Wanda about her actions. I mean, like, they really start to have a really heated argument about it. I mean, Vision starts levitating, Wanda's using her powers, and they're really about to go at it. But then suddenly, the doorbell rings. Yes, And then what happens? 
well. Well, I just want to touch on what was happening during that fight. So what was amazing is um, whilst they're having that fight, the credits are going <laughs> like uh, like the end of the sitcom episode. Their yeah, sitcom episode is point, finishing. Yeah. yeah, the sitcom is actually finishing, but you're seeing like they're still arguing and getting really into it. And it's like, it's almost like um, that is like the closing part of the, the fun sitcom uh, theme within One Division as a series. It, it, from from what I could tell, because um, after that point, everything is a lot more serious in tone. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's like the the comedy sitcom thing kind of takes a bit of a back burner as to like all the real stuff that is going on. And oh, yeah. th- those credits playing at the same time as when Wonder and Vision are squaring up to each other is like it's almost like the change in tone. The credits are going down on that tone mm-hmm. of the the comedy setting. And now we're going back to like the actuals. These are superheroes, and these are they have superpowers. And what the fuck is going on? Like we're finally getting into the crux of things. And what ends up happening is like the craziest fucking reveal for people who have been watching these superhero films for the last ten years or so. Because at the door is the um, the Evan Peters, who is also the X Men version of Quicksilver. And uh, we as a viewer are like, what just happened? And Darcy herself says, did she just recast her brother? Because, uh, you know, what? obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to the WandaVision and stuff, you probably already know this. But um, in 2014, there were two films coming out which both had Quicksilver as a character. There were uh, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, which had um, Aaron Taylor-Johnson playing Quicksilver who's like the Sokovian Quicksilver, who's like, yeah, they run first. <laughs> and then there's the the X-Men Quicksilver, who's played by Evan Peters, who is like this absolute dickhead, but really fun Quicksilver, <laughs> who's um, the American like, hey, boss, how are you doing? And like runs around and does this um, uh, thing where he like slows down time and they keep doing these really cool scenes where um, he's just walking around, moving things out of the way, and then everything goes back to normal time and clicks into place and thing, shit just goes crazy. Um so general consensus at that time was that even though the X-Men films were worse, that version of Quicksilver was better. Yeah. And um, what I forgot is that those two actors are actually both like in Kick-Ass as well. Um, yeah, Aaron Taylor yeah. Johnson's the main guy mm-hmm. and Evan Peters is his, is his like, best mate in that. And yeah. Um, yeah, I just found that really strange that both of them went on to play the same character, basically. Um, I've got two little pieces of trivia for you. So, yeah. Um, um, the re- the when the Darcy says the recasting kind of stuff, I mean that's kind of a bit of a nod to a lot of uh, sitcoms have had, had recasting um situations, but that also includes um, Bewitched, which had okay. a major recasting when the main guy um, Darren Stevens was recast uh, quite early throughout the series, and also um in, you mentioned that uh, Wanda's violated the Sokovia Accords. Um, yes. Specifically, that um, she violated section thirty six B. Okay. That's all I have. <laughs> oh, I thought you were about to say, and like, and did you know that thirty six B is actually like the the door number of the house that they're in? I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so, um, so actually, thirty six B doesn't actually. So, her generating the hex doesn't really violate the. Um, does it doesn't say it violates Sokovia. anything. However, yeah. um, 36B basically governs the creation and activation of artificially intelligent androids and them being used uh, is a violation of this Kovia codes. Okay. 
Okay, so basically the Sokovia Accords, which are which are basically were in place to stop Iron Man from fucking up. Basically, yeah. Also had a, another rule to stop Iron Man from fucking up that affects everyone else. Because that, that's all that was. It's like Iron Man stopped doing really reckless shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's generally what the MCU is. It's just um, Iron Man making really bad decisions and then everyone else <laughs> just reaping the, the, the disaster the- afterwards. You're about to reaping the rewards, and it's like, nope, that's not a reward. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes for some entertaining TV. We're reaping the, the rewards. Time. Yeah, like, we reap the rewards, but the people in the films are like, oh, for fuck's sake, dude, did you just seriously create a killer robot that's going to kill everyone? What's wrong with you? Why would you do that? Why would you do that, Tony? Um, but yeah, uh, what did you think about the Evan Peters reveal? Because I was like, what the... F-? I did not see that coming a million miles away. No, it... Everyone I spoke to, it hit us like a train. Like, no one in our wildest, like, dreams imagined that was going to happen. It was, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was, that episode, the ending was, like, such a mic drop. You were just, like, it just left you with your jaw on the floor. And it just led to so much more kind of speculation and, oh, shit, what's going on? What's happening? What's happening? It, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, like, that was when the... the Hype train, um, online especially, just went into overgear because it's like, what is going on? Like, are they bringing in the X Men universe into this universe now? Like, we need we need answers right now, um, and that's how it perfectly leads into the next episode because then all of a sudden we are in the um, the early two thousands, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes we we're in the early two thousands, and we're in the Malcolm in the Middle era, yes, which was are. like. We're, we're finally at an era which I can distinctly remember. Yeah, so that was, like, the one thing I immediately picked up straight away. I mean, it was just so easy to see this was, like, a blatant kind of mark in the Malcolm middle in the kind middle. of opening. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, the amount of times we've the, watched the series, like, mark in the middle is brilliant. They could have easily have played, like, the You're Not the Boss of Me Now song. Um, it would have worked. Yeah, uh, over, yeah, it would have worked easily. Definitely. But yeah, like I said, um, we're back to the 90s and early 2000s. Um, it is, this episode's called Halloween Spooktacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wanda basically wants to take her children out for their first Halloween ever. <laughs> which, assuming they're 10 years, they're just newly 10 years old. Um, so but Vision, she dresses up as like the actual Scarlet Witch yeah. and he dresses up as the Vision and they're like finally we can dress up in our in our costumes where it's like the classic versions of their costumes. Yeah, so like they're like, Oh, we've had these costumes in our closets for such a long time, we may as well just be wearing them now. <laughs> so I thought that was a brilliant touch because they they were so it, it really kinda highlighted how kinda well gaudy and awkward and well they're, they're very strange costumes in terms of superiors. I mean, the colour schemes they have there are so strange. I I thought they were just going to leave it at that when it came to Wanda's costume. I thought they were just going to be like, this is the one time you'll see me in like the official um, Scarlet Witch costume with yeah. the crown and everything. And then that everything else is just going to be like her, her typical, um, uh, what was it, like her, her kind of punk look, if you know what I mean? Like yeah. red, but also black and punk, yeah. kind of, that kind of look. Yeah. Um, which obviously we'll get into later, because obviously then they build into this. But um, So this is the point. Where, as I said, the the pretense of, like, the sitcom is kind of gone at this point because we know too much as the audience, but also Vision knows too much and he's, like, the surrogate of surrogate for the audience because he's going around trying to figure this out now, like, 
seriously trying to figure it out. He blows off the family when it comes to Halloween because they're meant to go out trick-or-treating as a family. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go do, like, neighborhood watch or some shit. And then he just goes flying around looking at the people who aren't directly involved in, like, the day-to-day of of Wanda and Vision and seeing that these people are on autopilot, but to the point where they're, like, they're on autopilot in, like, a really lazy kind of way. It's like... Um, that Rick and Morty episode where they go into the simulator oh, yeah. and um, and and the guy like the my man guy is like glitching into the into the tree and he's like my man and then like, glitches into a tree. I mean, it, like I said, it's like really interesting because like like you said, uh, Vision basically lies to her and tells her she's going to be yeah. able to watch, but he's basically coming out as an investigation. Um, this is where kind of Pietro kind of takes in like. Uh, step up falsely role oh I'll take them with boys out trick-or-treating um, mm-hmm. but when he does take them out trick-or-treating I think Wanda mentions to her children yes you can go with him but don't go past this certain street yeah and yeah because exactly, clearly that's that, where the hex yeah that's exactly what Vision does he goes past that certain street and he starts noticing that Wanda's grip on this area is like you said isn't as strong and people are basically just not doing what they would normally be doing. They're kind of just repeating the same actions over and over. And as Vision explores further and further away from the house, he finds, like, the residents are becoming just frozen in their positions while they're moving. And that's where he sees Agnes. This is where it's, like, really fucking creepy because you can see some of the... There was that one woman, like, the resident who... She's kind of frozen still, but you can still see her eyes, and she's looking at Vision, and she's, like, crying. Yeah, there's a tear rolling down her cheek, and then that was just... Horrible. Yeah. (laughs) You really kind of sense their pain. It's awful to see, but they played on it really well. They played on it really well. Um, And that was the point where I think... I started making comparisons between them... And um, what was hap- and, and and basically what was happening to them and the film Get Out, because <laughs> in my head it was exactly the same the same thing basically is that like what was happening in Get Out where the he was like someone else takes over your body you got put to the back of your own consciousness and all you can see is like the the television screen which is the person's eyes so you can see what's happening but you can't feel or anything and you you know you don't have any sort of um, consciousness it, it was like that and it was horrible um and, and and yeah this reminded me of that but as we were saying so vision flies around a fair bit and he goes all the way to the edge of town and or he finds agnes sitting by herself in a car <laughs> and agnes turns around to him and she's like oh um what what am i doing i'm a little far away and then he he decides to um brain zap her um yeah. and and turn her back into what she should be which is her normal self. And she turns around like, oh my God, are you here to save us? You, you're the vision, aren't you? And and, and she's like, oh my God, uh, uh, please get us out of this. And it's Wanda, she's controlling me and uh, I, I don't know what's going on. And uh, please, you have to save us. And then he's like, I, I will soon. And then he just puts her back into the state of control um, from what we can see. And what's a great nod here uh, is Agnes is dressed as a witch. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she is. She She's just dressed as a straight up witch, um, and she starts doing this like cackle, yeah. and then and and obviously then she drives back into town where the fair the fair is going on. Uh, I mean, meanwhile, I mean that 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 moment was brilliant because it kind of cast doubt on your the kind of plan, what, the what kind you've of been theory, led to believe so far. Yeah, the theory that we've kind of built up in our heads. I think that was quite expertly done. 
It was the red herring. Yeah. So they were saying, oh, well, you know, this thing that you've all assumed, uh, here is why you might not want to assume it. But then whether you believe that or not is up to you. Um, but uh, in, in the meantime, what's happening is Pietro is going around with Wanda. Wanda's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I, that he's got the name of my brother and the memories of my brother, kind of, mm. but... This isn't my brother. Like, first of all, he's American and he's speaking. He doesn't look the same, and he's speaking in this like, uh, like typical American accent. Who is this person? But then again, I'm also speaking in an American accent. Maybe it's my own magic. Yeah. And he turns around to her and says, um, "You know, how are you doing this? You know, you got all these people under control, and uh, it's pretty impressive. And how are you doing this? It's really cool." And she, she's just like, "Holy shit! He's not a part of the illusion. Like, he knows he's sentient. He knows what's going on." I mean, um, he says something to really piss Wanda off, but I forget what he says. He says, um, one dead, it's not like your dead husband, uh, it dies again. What's the, what, what's the matter? Yeah. Some, something like that. He said, he, he makes a joke about Vision being dead, uh, because, because the kids are like, oh, um, the, where's dad we need to go like find him and um and wonder is like oh uh, i'll go and and i'll i'll make the hex bigger just to keep him safe and um that's when pietro makes that comment and she like throws him into a like a, a big piece of hay yeah. i mean yeah so this is the also the episode where um monica darcy and jimmy are basically expelled from um the commando of sword Swords kind of base yeah. just for disagreeing with his decision to attack Wanda. Yeah. Um, but they basically sneak back inside to the base and they hack his computer and discover that he's been tracking Vision's kind of vibranium kind of signature. Um, yeah. When Vision actually um, comes to the edge of the town, he basically tries to push through the walls of the hex. He does get through. However, his body begins to disintegrate um, yeah. when um, one of the kids I think it was Billy um, he senses this so Billy's um, kind of getting uh, Wanda's powers Wanda's superpowers but, um, yeah. Timmy's getting um, the Pietro's. Pietro's powers so yeah. um, Billy senses this um, he tells Wanda and like you said yeah she expands the hex to basically eat up Vision again she takes Darcy and several sword agents who are enveloped into the new boundary and basically the sword base gets turned into a travelling circus which I thought was a That was so touch. fucking funny. Yeah. That was so that was such a good touch. Yeah. One of the bits I love though is that they, they decided to like handcuff Darcy to a car and then when they were running away from the hex they just left her there and she was like, Oh come on <laughs> Her reaction was brilliant. I've got some trivia for you for this episode though. Oh yeah? So um, trivia loaded today. Yeah, so um, P- Pietro Maximoff, um, yeah. during the credits, um, he's credited as himself in the opening. Yes. Um, huh. So Pietro mutters the words kick-ass. Uh, yes. Wanda repeats it curiously. Um, it says curiously. Um, and yeah. of course, that's like he said, a nod to the fact that he actually played um, um, kick-ass in the, actually, uh, the actual movie. Um, mm-hmm. What else have I got? So, I think that's about it. Um, Agnes's <laughs> license plate DA1B2C is the code for crimson, which is a shade of red. Huh. And, well, yeah, that's all the trivia I have for you. 
Well, I was expecting more. <laughs> uh, well, I can dig a bit deeper and get some other bits. Let's see. So, so Pietro refers to Tommy and Billy as a demon spawn, which in the comics, Is... both Billy and Tommy are spawned by the demon Mephisto. Okay, that's, that's quite, that's quite a good one. Creepy. That's really good, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, suck on that's that. A, yeah, you, you, you redeemed yourself for that final one. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Vision's being torn apart and she saves him and that's when we kind of get categorical proof that this Vision can't really exist outside of the Hex. Like, she, he is a part of... Um, he is a part of whatever spell Wanda is putting everyone under and we we have the assumption now that she is putting all of this on just so she can finally live some sort of life with him and has accidentally extended it to everyone around her too. Yeah, I mean, it, it very much confirms our worst fears on this topic. That, yeah, like you said, he, he cannot exist out of this realm. He cannot. So we end up with episode... Seven? Uh, eight. No. eight? We end up on episode eight. Wow, uh, shit, there's only two more left. So yeah, we end up on episode eight. Oh, and, sorry, um, I'm mistake on episode seven. I was about to say, I was like, I swear we were on seven. Yeah. Um. So at what point does Agatha... Uh, Agnes turn around to turn around to Wanda when she's in the house and goes, "Oh, do you want me to do that again?" Like as if she's on a part of an actual TV show. Um, I believe that's this episode. That's this episode. Okay, cool. So let's go into it. Yeah. So episode um, seven is breaking the fourth wall, which is quite aptly named, <laughs> given what you just said. So um, this yep. is basically uh, mid to late two thousand setting, playing on uh, really popular series like The Modern Family and also The Office. Um, it's the, fur... yeah, so it's uh, quite an interesting one, really, because, um, Wanda's basically It's the taking... fur? <laughs> what are basically... you about to say? I, I, I don't know. That's why I ended that <laughs> sentence very quickly. So, yeah, this is where Wanda's basically taking a day off to herself, because she's really mentally exhausted, and she's, in many ways, losing her grip, isn't she? Yeah, so, um, she's, like, she's gone, like, full-on... I don't care about, um, I, I just need to chill and not give a shit. And it's, it's kind of great to see because it's like, oh, this is a really relatable wonder. <laughs> I mean, I think she was less like that and it kind of came clear to me that she was quite depressed. Yeah, she was overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and she was just like, what the fuck is going on? I don't care anymore. Which is, is, is yeah, it's very apt. I mean, um, like she's, she's clearly losing her grip on her control over the situation. Because yeah. as she's trying to make her breakfast, things are flitting between different kind of areas. So, like, the milk she has on the table, it starts turning to 1950s milk, bot- uh, bottom mm-hmm. bot- cartons to bottles. And it's just, she's not quite able to control things, and she's exhausted, and you can tell that she's really at her wit's end. The point of the episode, so, it's like the kids are the, uh, at that point where they're, like, concerned about her yeah. and they're like oh uh, you know mom are you okay we need we, we're kind of worried about you um so that episode takes a lot from shows like uh, modern family and the office isn't it because yeah. they, they spend a, a fair few times like just directly speaking to the camera in like the mockumentary format yeah. even vision does that when wanda's not around which i found really funny because he even points it out at one point he's just like Wait, what am i doing yeah, what am i talking <laughs> so, to who, why am I talking to you about this? And it just, like, flies off. Yeah, yeah so um, Wanda's basically trying to take a date to herself. Um, Agnes 
happily chimes in just at the right moment as always and says she will babysit the kids. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, Wanda's kind of watching the house kind of change and, it, and she's unable to control it. Uh, Vision basically wakes up beside the sword agents who are now members of a circus, which I, like I said is quite funny. And yeah. Darcy's there and she's also into the spell. Darcy under the spell is so funny because she's just like, okay, dude, I'm not interested. Okay, fine, I'm interested. Like she, she's she's great because she thinks division's hitting on her, and then he like unlocks her brain, and she's like, oh, it's you. I've been watching you for like the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, quite quickly she breaks to him about the fact that he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She breaks because he's like, I don't know who I am. What's yeah. going on? And she's like, well, you actually died. Yeah. Um, it's what I always find really funny is um. That they the the like just normal people in the show right, and in the normal like Marvel universe, they make references to things which they probably wouldn't have seen themselves. Like for example, um, when they're talking about uh, Scarlet Witch's power and 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 um, and she she is like. Darcy's like, oh, um, she probably could have taken Thanos if it wasn't for Thanos then calling in a strike raid. And it's like, there were no cameras around. How do you know that? Like, how how do you recall that scene from Endgame? Because nobody was filming that. Why do the normal people know that? And then and then uh, Jimmy's like, oh, well, um, I think Captain Marvel could have taken him. And then he she when she came flying in, it's like, again, the cameras weren't there. Why do normal people know what happened? Yeah, it's very strange, but I think it kind of, they're just trying to facilitate the storytelling, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, it's just funny to me that they're like, oh, yeah, like when... So that's, that's why it, it's funny to me because it links back into when then um, Darcy is telling Vision about all of the things that happened to him. And it's like, which you were only around or you've only, you've only managed to know because of what, like, media would have told you because you were never around for any of that. <laughs> mm, that's very, it's a very good point, actually. Um, what else happens in this episode? So, uh, Monica and Jimmy are kind of do some reconnaissance with some loyal um, sword personnel and they try and get a vehicle to cross the barrier, which is massively unsuccessful. Yeah, um, so what happens? They, like, pad it out with armour. Yeah. It then drives against the um, the barrier and then flips over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Monica has to, like, make a... Uh, a quick exit out of the vehicle otherwise she's going to end up getting um, flipped on Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when, when this is unsu- unsuccessful Monica decides to enter herself she passes through the walls of the hex and she kind of emerges with a uh, heightened vision which is quite in- interesting to see she basically had a altered view of everything within the hex she could see like things being manip- manipulated before her eyes it's yeah, quite interesting to see. Because she comes out, it's like they hint at her having something about her before, but it's almost like the hex walking through the hex kind of like um, unlocks her power. Yeah. is the best way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think Darcy mentions in the third or fourth or fifth episode that crossing yeah. through the hex has changed her on like a molecular level. Yeah. And her going through a second time has really like solidified those changes, and now she ha- seemingly has some kind of powers of her own, which is quite interesting. But um, mm-hmm. once Monica kind of crosses over, she basically confronts Wanda. Yes, yes she does. She just goes straight to her yeah. and be like, yo, what are you doing? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> she, she was rather confrontational. Um, yeah. 
as as you probably would be in that scenario, where you're like, hey, you just threw me through a bunch of walls. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need to shape the fuck up and realize what you're doing. Um, and Wanda, like, threatens her again with her red magic, yeah. and then all of a sudden, Monica, uh, she, she shows her powers to Wanda, kind of thing? Yeah, basically, yeah. Wanda has, like, blue powers? <laughs> I don't know, I almost did this way. <laughs> Yeah, Monica's got blue blue magic as opposed to Wanda's red magic. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, you can defend yourself? I'm going to send you flying again. Yeah. But um, It's quite interesting. In the whole... Because Agnes also mm. tells Monica to leave in this situation. And then yeah. She takes, yeah, she does. Then she takes Wanda into her own house. She does indeed. Um, and whilst this is all happening, Vision is going around uh, trying to find the exit of, like, the hex itself with Darcy. Yeah. And there's this really fun part where every time they're trying to go around, something just gets in the way. So, like, it's like a, a horde of cows road and then it's... Um, yeah, roadworks. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and then he just goes, fuck it, and leaves her in the car. And she's like, okay, I'll just I'll just wait here then. <laughs> and and he goes flying back. Um, so, Agatha... Um, and then Agnes takes the kids into her house, and she's giving them this, like, speech and stuff. And then um, once she sees that Monica is, like, talking to um, Wanda and trying to make her very clear of, like, what's going on, Monica says, like, he's trying to make you out to be the villain in terms of Hayward. And she goes, maybe I already am. And we're like, oh, what's going on? And there's this look Agatha, um, that Agnes gives <laughs> that she looks outside of her house, and you're like... She's in on it. Yeah. Like she looks at Wanda and you're like, oh no no, she's she's like not she's not a pedestrian. Like she's one hundred percent in on it. We Definitely. were right in the, we were right all along. Um, I mean, and there's a moment with the kids that really hits us home, when yes. Agnes is on the sofa talking to the kids. Um, Billy, the one with kind of Wanda's powers, um, he mm-hmm. turns to Agnes and says, "Agnes, I like you. Your mind's really quiet." <laughs> I mean, and like that's just like sending alarm bells, like it, it, in so many levels, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because everyone else around in the hex would have wonder in their brain. Yeah, and Agatha, and <laughs> and what we have, Agnes, is something else. Yeah, she's t- so Agnes, Agnes is totally in her own kind of frequency. Exactly. So what she ends up doing is she ends up taking Wanda away from Monica and she's like, oh no, this lady's going to ruin it for us. And then you can see she does something to Wanda and takes her back to what is basically her her, her basement. Wanda is saying, where is my kids? And that is where we get the uh, the big plot twist of this whole series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amrick, what happens? So, Agnes introduces herself as the witch named Agatha Harkness. Yes. Um, she reveals that she's been interfering with Wanda, including sending the Pietro imposter, and also she, was also, she kills, kills the dog. Kills the dog, Sparky. Um, she did now, indeed. The way that they broke this through a delightful, <laughs> little, um, uh, delightful, delightful little song number which, by God, was catchy. Yeah, so... The, uh, oh, my God. So, I've been, like, slipping, obviously. I kept accidentally just calling her Agatha. So, the song goes... I was like, it was Agatha all along. And it's like, I'm going to get that stuck in my head, aren't I? While I was watching it, I was like, I'm going to get this song stuck in my head. It is so catchy. The song is really good. And then I was I was going about my work the next day, just like, and it was Agatha all along. And then in the internet went crazy. And everyone was, like, posting it was Agatha all along um, for basically anything that was going on in life. And 
yeah, it, it was a it was a fantastic like reveal. Even though it's like a lot of people saw it coming, I think um, that the, they purposely did the red herring to throw you mm. off a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, it was Agatha all along, and it's like this this song accompanying it just kind of hits that home so well. Um, and I loved the end of the I, song when she's when she was like, and I killed the dog as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes so much joy in it and this is where I really wanted to get into um, how fucking awesome Catherine Hahn is mm. like she's so good especially it, it, throughout the whole thing she just plays it so well it's like when she's pretending to be one of the mind controlled people she's like overly campy and like hi neighbor how like that kind of tone really really well done and then all of a sudden the tone switch where she's then actual Agatha and it's just so much more sinister, yeah. but, like, still playful. Yeah. And it's like, Catherine Hall just fucking nails it. Yeah, she nailed it on every single level, th- consistently through every single era, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, to the present day. She was yeah. always on point, and she was always in character on, like, in so many levels, and she played it so beautifully well, I've got to say. You really do. And, like, one of the one of the things that made me kind of suspicious of her from the beginning is because she's Catherine Hahn. I know, like, it's because, generally speaking, when they when they have a cast, per, a person cast who is, like, a bigger name um, than, than usual, she's going to have a bigger part to play. Like, she's not just going to be an, a side, side character, because everyone else is, like, character actors and stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, this is, like, she, Catherine Hahn's in a lot of movies mm. and TV shows and stuff. Like, she's, she's fantastic. So I knew she had a bigger part to play, and I, I kind of guessed. Um, but, yeah, man, like, the, the switch was fantastic. Brilliant. 100 on so many levels. Um, one, one, one of my favourite things about this episode was the commercial, which was for antidepressants, which mm. which uh, really kind of hit home how depressed Wanda really was. Yeah. Was that the Drink Your Magic one, or that the one after? Um, I think that's one. I, it was, it was, it was, I just remember they'd been called Nexus Antidepressants. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the mid the 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 wife lady, isn't yeah. it? The 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 yeah. wife was like, oh, uh, let me take these pills, and then she yeah, I remember that. And there was also the one with um, the the what was it? It's like the guy, the kid, little child on an island, and the shark's like, oh, um, here, why don't you take a sip of this? It's like called Give Me Your Magic, yeah. and um, and it'll save you. And then the kid's trying to open the the can, but he's too weak to open it, and then fucking turns into a skeleton and dies. And I'm like, holy shit, yeah, that was some imagery. That was, that was a very strange advert, because um, that was the advert for episode six, the all-new Halloween Spooktacular. So, um, was that the episode? Yeah, so um, that was like an entire... That um, ad- um, advert was totally in claymation. Which I thought was a yes. nice touch, but it's, <laughs> that was pretty neat as well. I think. I finally got to see a child dissolve in, in into into bones in claymation. It was oddly graphic. Yeah, it really was. Um, so getting into I think episode eight. Mm-hmm. Getting uh, into episode eight, which is which is appropriately which is appropriately called previously on. Previously on. Um, this is an exposition episode again, yes, but only is. Agatha is now taking Wanda through um, what is actually going on. So she like says, um, you know, basically, where the hell do you get your magic from? The, the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to know where you get your magic from. And she's highly suspicious of Wanda because 
she knows that Wanda is magic. And I think it's important to note um, before this episode really kind of kicks off, it starts in Salem in 1693. Yes. Where you've got a coven of witches, um, including Agatha. Um, Agatha is basically um, being led by her mother and the coven of witches, and they're basically going to try to kill Agatha for practicing dark magic. Um, they try to kill Agnes, but um, Agnes being Ag- well, I'll say Agatha rather, they try to kill her with magic, but she basically dry- drains their entire life forces, leaving them for dead. It's like a, they shoot their magic at her, and she just absorbs it. Yeah, which is it's like for, super dark. It's like super cool. Sunlight to a plant. Yeah, and she she just takes it in, and then basically like kills her own mother by just draining her magic. Um. And, yeah, so it, it hints that basically Agatha, Agatha is, like, immortal as long as she keeps herself young kind of thing. Yeah, very much in true kind of witch form, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, and then, as I was saying, so she starts taking Wanda back through different events in her um, past mm-hmm. to suggest, like, that she's had magic all along. Um, the very first, I think, being when Wanda was in Sokovia as a child with her brother and family, and it turns out that, like, they're just... She, this is where her love for the sitcom, the American sitcoms, came from, is that her dad was, like, flogging them as bootlegs, and then um, he just kept... Like, they watched them as as a family to enjoy themselves, and even the ones from the 50s all the way to, like, the 2000s. Yeah, so that was the really touchy thing, um, touching thing. So they're watching all these, like, great sitcoms, like the Dick Van Dyke, Dick Van Dyke show, um, yeah. all these kind of sitcoms. Meanwhile, there's an entire kind of civil war going outside the, outside the windows, yeah. and, like, the parents are trying to distract their kids and let them enjoy a bit of, like, American sitcom um, situations, and... For them, it was more kind of distraction more than anything, but it was quite touching to see it being utilized and then a in fucking, that kind of fashion. And then a fucking bomb goes off. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, um, like, the parents are dead, and then there's, like, um, a, a flash... I think it's a flash forward, or is it in the main scene, same scene? But basically, there is now a stark bomb in front of uh, child Wanda, mm-hmm. and... They're saying like there's a high, it's most likely just gonna go off, and Wanda changes the probability of it being able to go off mm-hmm. by using her magic. Yeah. is what is hinted. Yeah, because that's kind of like what the Scarlet Witch's um, powers are in the comic, which were never really touched on until WandaVision, which is like her powers aren't just like red laser beams that come out of her hands. She's got chaos magic, and she can influence like the probability of things and mm-hmm. put hexes on things. And this is where it really does kind of all start to fit together because they, some people saw it as a retcon. I think it is a retcon, um, but basically this is where they confirm that um, it wasn't being experimented on that gave them the powers. It's that they were born with these powers and the Infinity Stones unlocked them because later you see Scarlet Witch going into the... um, the, um, Is it Hydra? Like a Hydra facility? Yeah, so there's... um after the kind of um, situation where the, she has to relive where her parents were killed, um, she also yeah. um, Agnes makes her live through the um, the time where she was put through the um, hydro facility and where she volunteered to put herself through the um, being a, um have a little I don't I don't know how to say it, some experimentation with a mind stone. 
Yeah, I was going to say, have a little play around with the with of Infinity Stone. Have so, a little play around. So, yeah, basically, um, all the other... Um, I'm going to say contestants. That's not the right word. <laughs> Kinda. I mean, it's, other, it's appropriate expe- in a, in a way. All the other subjects that were uh, exposed to the Mind Stone had died horrifically. Um, wonders... And the Doctor accidentally lets it slip in front of her. He's like, but sir, all the other people have died. And she's like... Sorry, did you say something? No. <laughs> but yeah, so like they uh, they let Wanda have a touch with the Mind Stone, and that basically is Agatha learns that yeah she always had powers, and it's just the Mind Stone that's really amplified them. It's like this is where you see the vision. It's like the vision of the Scarlet Witch, um, is what Wanda sees, and then but from what we can see in terms of like what actually happening, it just cuts off like. Wanda is stood there, it's happening to her, and then she's on the floor, and, and that's how the, the camera footage goes. But from what we can tell, it's Wanda having, like, this final awakening of her powers. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and, yeah, I think this the, is where... The next um, vision that she's kind of shown again um, is basically where Wanda visited the sword facility to recover Vision's body after the blip. There is one just before that, and it's um, when Wanda is in Stark Tower, or the Avengers Tower, and it's after Pietro is dead, Um, and and she just, like, she knows Vision is there, so Vision comes through, and and she's just, like, she's mourning because of her brother, and um, the Vision comes and sits down and, like, watches TV with her, and, like, tries to comfort her and stuff, and it's, like, it really plays up the how they originally kind of fell for each other. Yeah, became close and kind of sought comfort each other. Yeah. That was really that was, that was really sweet to see to be honest. Yeah. I, I, it really I liked, was. I liked that one. Yeah, cuz we go from uh like we in 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 terms of the films, which is all we see, we just go from them not like interacting with each other to them being friends in uh in in civil war, but then they have to they are forced to like fight each other and then and then all of a sudden they're like together in Infinity War. So um, this is like a nice little in between of like giving us context of how they actually ended up together. It's like they have like a real connection between each other. Yeah, um, and and Agatha's just watching all of this, and she's just like making really funny but sly comments about everything that she's seeing, <laughs> which is my favorite part of the episode, by the way, because Agatha's commentary is fan fucking tastic. Um, and then yeah, and then we end up in the uh, the next flashback, which is what you were going on to describe. Yeah, so that's when um, Agatha then takes Wanda to after the blip, where she initially visited Sword to recover mm-hmm. Vision's body. Uh, Wanda yeah. basically wanted to recover her body as um, basically uh, Vision's next of kin, because she wanted to give yeah. it a proper burial. But um, Haywood, the now director of uh, Swords, basically refused to bury him. She didn't want to let go of such a valuable source of vibranium and the world's basically most powerful weapon. Yeah. Um, he does, however, let uh, Wanda see the vision, though. She mm-hmm. does let him see the body. Um, she goes to the basically the, his skull. Um, she tries to touch the skull. And she kind of whispers that she doesn't feel, she doesn't feel him, which was yeah. horrific. It was like a callback, wasn't it? it yeah, to, it was. Um, it's a callback to the first, what's the one that came after Civil War? It's uh, Infinity War, Infinity isn't it? Infinity War, yep. So when they're on their kind of date, she kind of touches his mind stone and she says how 
she can I feel him. you. So yeah, yeah, just her touching his lifeless or his head basically, saying that <laughs> she can't feel him was really quite touching. I gotta say. Yeah, that's nice. I like the little callbacks and stuff, you know. Um, and this is where we get it revealed to us that Hayward is lying yes. about Wanda and her mo- and her um, motives mm-hmm. because Hayward painted it out to the rest of S.W.O.R.D. and including uh, Monica and, and, and Darcy, etc., that um, Wanda just, like, stormed the place and then went and took the body and fucked off, uh, whereas in reality, Wanda just walked through... Yeah. Uh, and, and, and asked politely and, um, and yeah, she politely. did like break the glass and then left politely. And like what I found really funny is like she just drove home. Yeah. She, you know, there, there was no drama at all. She just like drove home and then drove to, um, because as it's revealed, uh, they, they, they had like a deed to a land in Westview um, where they planned to go and live together. And um, she then goes there. And this is where this whole thing originates from because her pain is so great that this, like, illusion just comes out of her mm-hmm. and the hex begins yeah. and it starts to grow and grow and grow and envelop everybody around her and all of a sudden there is this, like, vision in front of her and he looks as real as they come. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and then that, that's kind of, like, the beginning of how this all began, basically. Yeah, basically, and it's at that point... Um, so she's manifested the, her own vision she's created the hex around uh, the entire town and Ag- Agatha concludes that Wanda possesses the legendary form of magic called chaos magic and dubs her the Scarlet Witch and there we go that's it and that, and that is a wrap on, on, on WandaVision no so we now get to the finale which is Ooh, um, appropriately a little bit, A little bit of interesting one towards the end of this episode, though. Um, oh, yeah? In the mid credit scene. So this is where the episodes came an hour long, weren't they? Yes. So mm-hmm. um, towards the end of this episode, uh, we have a mid credit scene where Haywood reactivates the vision um, yes. based on the parts that he actually has. Um, this vision is all in white, um, and he's basically the reassembled body. How he's yes. have how he's managed to power this thing though uh, is another matter which wasn't really explored, but it's going to be interesting to find out how that's happened. Yeah, yeah, they basically rebuilt the vision, um, and that's like the big reveal at the end. Like, oh, what we're going to get next week is it going to be a vision versus vision fight? I bet it's going to be that. So they now have, like, their own vision under command, and his objectives are to go and kill this, like, the fake vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads us really nicely into the finale, because now what we have is a, a dynamic of Wanda and Agatha and Vision and Vision. Hey Zane, and guess what what's the finale called? called? Is it called finale? It's called the series finale. <laughs> the series finale. So the series finale kicks off with Agatha basically standing in the same pose going, you're the Scarlet Witch, um... And her proposition, although it's more of a threat, is give me your power because you don't know what you're doing and you're going to cause the end of the world or some shit because you're clearly too powerful for your own good and I'm the one who knows what like the magic is all about. Yeah. So just give me your power. She just wants Wanda's power. Yeah. Um, and it... It kind of links into like that advert of the the child on the island because even like the the drink he drinks is called "Give Me Your Power" or something, and yeah. it's like you know what her motives were from back then, kind of thing. I think um, so. This is the point where 
yeah, so like I said, she's trying to take up Wanda's magic. Um, Ag- Agatha starts talking about the Dark Hold. How in the Dark Hold it's stated that the chaos magic and the Scarlet Witch will bring about the end of the world. How she'll become even Agatha states that she'll become even more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Yes. And all sorts of kind of name dropping and kind of further <laughs> plot developing here. It's quite interesting to see. And what we end up getting, as you would expect, is um, Wanda fighting back against Agatha because she's like, no, you're not taking my powers. Yeah, basically, um, they go, they have a kind of one-on-one fight, but this um, fight's really quite quickly interrupted by the white vision that Hayward's now kind of, for lack of a better word, rebooted. And (laughs) tries... (laughs) And basically tries to kill Wanda before her so, own vision kind of intervenes. This, um, I found like the Vision versus Vision fight was a way better than Agatha versus Wanda fight, to be very honest with you. Like, I thought the Agatha versus Wanda fight was like just laser beams in the sky. Um, vision versus Vision was fucking great. Like, he starts phasing against himself. Yeah. He's like, they're flying around trying to outmaneuver each other. It's just fantastic stuff. Yeah, I think the kind of the phase shifting is really what made that fight really quite cool to see. Mm-hmm. I've got to say that was really quite brought. It, it was incredible to see two visions fight. I mean, like their powers <laughs> going up one on one against each other. They're both basically equally matched. Yeah, which is a very strange. And but uh, hey ho. What what we end up getting is like so. Let's let's discuss the vision stuff first before we end up going into the um the wonder stuff. So. Um, what we end up getting is they end up like fighting, end up in a, a library, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a library. Um, and then they start talking because <laughs> the, the Vision is then speaking to White Vision and he's posing him a question. And this is where I admittedly did not know what the hell he was saying. So um, so he, pl- he gives he, him he, a logical scenario, which basically, yes, a, which basically kind of piques his interest and kind of mm-hmm. wants, he wants Vision to... He wants Wanda's vision to elaborate on that, the kind of piece of logic he's just fed in. And basically, Wanda visions, Wanda visions, uh, he kind of, he does elaborate and he makes the, um, the sword vision kind of see that, do you want to take from there? Okay, so he uses the analogy of the ship of Theseus and says that if the ship of Theseus is, um... It is is taken apart and rebuilt, um, and then you have the bits which were from before also taken apart. I think I can't remember the full analogy. Okay. But you're saying that which it, one is the true ship of Theseus? So yes. so basically, the ship of Theseus. Um, it's a really old ship. It's in display in a museum, but um, of course it's made out of wood, so it's going to start rotting. If the yeah. parts that are rotting are slowly replaced, till all the parts of the it's ship a new ship is being replaced. Is it still the ship of Theseus, or has it now become something new and different? And what they come to the conclusion is that both of them are still the true ship of Theseus. Basically, yeah. And so, admittedly, I didn't know what he was saying when he was saying ship of Theseus the first time I watched this. And I was like... I thought he was saying it all in one word. So I was like, what the fuck is a ship of Theseus? Like, ship of Theseus, ship of Theseus. Then I kept trying to say it myself. I was like, ship of Theseus, like, ship of, ship of, ship of, 
chupacabra. <laughs> and then I kept going and I was like, yep, uh, chupacabra. So if you take apart a chupacabra and put it back together, is it the same chupacabra? But anyway, we digress. So the white vision, as it turns out, is a rebuilt vision from like the remains of the corpse of vision. So he is in fact the actual vision. And but he lacks the, the memories. But he lacks the memories, which this WandaVision's vision has. <laughs> You've got me saying it as well. So then the WandaVision vision, he then says, like, with what vision is made out of, they can't have wiped the memories because of the, the type of metal or some shit. So he then clicks his head. <laughs> he, he, like, presses the button in where his Mind Stone should be, and all of a sudden he's, like, unlocked his memories. Yeah. And that's when uh, White Vision goes cool and flies away, and he fucks off for the rest of the episode. We don't see him again, because we're like, well... Do you know what that reminded me of? Huh? Do you know what that that, um, him flying off reminded me of? What? You know in the Simpsons episode with Poochie? Yeah, he's just like, I I must return now. He just, like, (laughs) they just move the animation up the screen, and... Yes, my plan needs me. I must go. It appears like Vision died on his way back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh wow, Vision was from another planet. <laughs> but yeah, um, so so yeah, that Vision just fucks off, and we're left with the um, the Wonder Vision Vision, and we now kind of can guess where this is gonna go because we're like that Vision with his memories unlocked is probably just gonna take the place of this Vision, which we'll go into later. Um, this vision then goes back, helps Wanda fight against Agatha, looks after the kids. The kids are there. The kids are now fighting the army, and Monica is there. And Monica gets shot at by Hayward, who then um, like Monica also does she, her she, own kind of like phase shifting kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, like the bullets go through her and then turn to mush on the other side. Um, oh, and we should mention that basically uh, Monica's been captured by um, uh, Pietro. Pietro. Then, oh yeah, I forgot she, about that. And she does fight him and basically releases Pietro from Agnes's uh, actor's spell. spell rather. And he yeah, basically turns and out to be some random ass actor by the name of Ralph Bonner. Boner. Boner. Yeah. Boner. <laughs> and um, yeah, so he turns out not to be the uh, Quicksilver from X Men, but rather just a boner. That's, that's and, still, um, um, releases, raises a lot of questions. I mean. How she's managed to get the information off from another uh, reality and link it to this world—it just. I thought it was just like a, a nice like play into the X Men stuff. I thought it was just like a haha. See, oh, he's oh, a Quicksilver I mean, in our reality, but we're pretending he's a Quicksilver here. Like it's like a because I mean, from what I understand, the, what the mutant kind of, stuff it seems like what they've kind of done here. They've kind of just whipped yeah. off as like a little bit of a. Oh, there you go. Like a nink and a, a, a nink, a wink and a nudge, because yeah. a, a wink and a nod. Because what's um what's actually happening with X Men and like the mutant stuff is that they're just gonna fully reboot it. They're not bringing through any of the uh, stuff from the other from the other universe. Uh, that's true. So, which is a smart thing to do, I think. Yeah. Um, and with uh, unless you want to bring Deadpool into this universe, which they are, um, they are. That's the only thing that's coming in, uh, is Deadpool, and it's going to remain being an R rated film. Um, so we then 
end up with uh, Monica going to help Wanda, and like basically Wanda's fighting off the military and Agatha at the same time. The kids then take over fighting the military. Wanda asks them to, she's like, kids, go fight the military. And they go and do it. And uh, they just like take the piss out of the officers, basically. Um, but in this whole time, Wanda is then in the sky having her, like, final climactic fight with Agatha, where she is then shooting magic at Agatha, and she's like, you know what, if if you want this magic so badly, just here, take it. And she just, like, throws red magic at her, and Agatha is like, aha, I'm, I'm taking all the magic, and she's absorbing it constantly. Um, and then what? And then she's like, okay, well, finish me. And then Agatha's, like, about to do a spell, and uh, she can't do it, because as it turns out, Wanda is using the, the rune rule that we didn't touch on in the earlier episode review. Yeah, so but basically, basically when take, take it away. <laughs> yeah, basically when um, Wanda's been led to the basement in Agnes's house, uh, Wanda's not able to use her magic against Agnes, who's now revealed herself as Agatha. That's because mm-hmm. Agatha basically tells Wanda that whoever has the runes in any given space. The opposing person is not able to use their magic. Only the person that casts their runes is able to use their magic. And it's like Wanda's, the witch's own territory. Yeah, so basically Wanda's used the same kind of thing here. Um, she's basically cast her... So during the fight, it looks like Wanda's missing her red magic most of the time against Ag- Agatha. Yeah. But what it turns out, she's basically cast runes around the entire perimeter of the hex. That's basically made Agatha's magic null and void. Basically, yeah. Which I what, what I was confused about is Agatha can only fly because of her magic. So how come she didn't just like face plant? Also, a good point. <laughs> you know, unless like Wanda was uh, uh, keeping her floating because of her magic. Probably not. It's just to like keep think, up keep up the illusion. I think it's more just for kind of convenience here, I guess. <laughs> it's just plot convenience. Hey, man, if we can forgive anime, we can forgive this. Very true. <laughs> so, yeah. Then um, Agatha gets, uh, gets gets beaten, and then Wanda's like, I am the Scarlet Witch, and shoots her in the head. No. So Agatha is then on the ground, and she's, like, resigned to defeat. She's like, you're not going to be able to handle this. And uh, Wanda's like, yeah, well, you know, no, I probably will. So she then... Um, she then turns Agatha into Agnes as, like, her punishment. She doesn't send her to jail. She's like, you now have to live as Agnes, the no- the nosy neighbour, and then just, like, blinks her into Agnes. Yeah. And then she's like, I know where to find you if I ever need you. But in a, the meantime, you stay put. It's cool, cool, cool sentence, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's horrible. It's, it's, it's worse than jail. Yeah, it's... it's. I mean, she begs for her not to do it. She, she kind of says... <laughs> That is so cool. Why would you do this to me? She's <laughs> like, anyway. just, just kill me instead. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but yeah, she basically, yeah, uh, resigned to spend the rest of, time, rest of her life as um, Agnes until she needs her next, I guess. Basically, and uh, I assume she will need her in the future because she's like, I'll know where to find you. And in the comics, um, Agatha is like one of the reasons why Scarlet Witch learned how to do actual magic. Yeah, she's basically so a like. A mentor, yeah, which I thought was where... When Agatha did the reveal um, and she started doing some of the flashbacks and stuff, I thought that's where it was going to go. Like, she was going to end up not being the villain, maybe, and, like, being like, okay, um, I actually now know who you are. Let's, like, figure this out. But, yeah, I mean, obviously they went with the, the villain instead, which makes more sense. Yeah. I just thought, well, if that's why the comics did it, maybe they might do it this way. Um, so, yeah, like, 
then what we end up with is basically the finale of the episode, which is the grand finale. Um, uh, Wanda knows what's going on. She knows that she has to say goodbye to everything around her. She says goodbye to Monica. Monica's like, oh, you know, for what it's worth, I would have done the same to help my mum. And it's like, no, you fucking wouldn't, because that's a horrible thing to do to people. Um, the people of uh, Westview are like, they, they hate Wanda because they, they attack her earlier in the episode. Agatha reveals, like, no, this is all you. Like, what, what you've done to them, it is all you. Um, the people in Westview are like, please get out of our heads. I just want to see my family. And, like, oh, please let my daughter out of the cupboard or something. And um, and, and, and uh, they're just like, we feel your pain and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end, they absolutely hate Wanda's guts. Yeah, and do. And... Yeah, because they were kept prisoner by her for, like, a good few weeks. Um, so no matter what, Wanda's, like... Okay, this is where the conflict kind of comes in, because they make it out, like, oh, you know, uh, she's a Scarlet Witch, and it wasn't her fault. It's like, no, 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 that's like, what she did was objectively really bad. Yeah. <laughs> it probably violates, like, the Geneva Conventions. It's She's basically yeah. tortured these people for weeks on end. They're probably going to need, like, a lifetime of therapy and, like, yeah, help. This. Because it's fun because, like, the dynamic is that they know they can't do anything about it because she's a goddamn Scarlet Witch. Yep. Like, they know. Well, what can you do? Call the police? What the fuck are they going to do? You know what I mean? There's nothing There's no they can do had. except... There's no justice to be had. All they can do is just kind of move on with their lives and like, yeah, that happened to us. Fuck this woman. <laughs> and, and that's it. And uh, and, and uh, Wanda walks back through town. They all give her the dead eye. Like, they, they, all, they all give her the Koyanis Kutsi from Scrubs. <laughs> that, may, that may as well be yeah, playing over just the just top. Uh, we should totally just edit, edit that scene to put Koyanis Kutsi in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Ted, you're giving the sad face. <laughs> it's like the only one I know. <laughs> so they give the Koyanis Kutsi and um they yeah, they give her the evil eye and they clearly hate her. And uh Wanda says something to Monica, she's like, Yep, uh, well thanks, see you later. Monica goes back, um and and uh there's some little reveal that happens later to Monica, but then we go back with Wanda and as she basically prepares to say goodbye forever to her family, of or like her Westview yeah. family, so she's because totally she knows what's to, about to happen. Yeah, she's totally agreed to bring down the hex, but she knows it's to sacrifice her family, her two sons, and her husband. So she spends basically. the final moments with her family. She tucks her kids into bed. She kind of glances out the window from the door frame and she can see the kind of red shade of the hex kind of receding, coming mm-hmm. closer to her house. So she says a final goodbye to the family. She goes down... And interestingly, she says to the kids, thank you for choosing to be my... to Thank you for choosing me as your mother. Yeah. Like, you know, like as if they have their own sentience in the sense that they... Ch- they chose to be in this illusion mm. as opposed to being, um, like, just form, form formulated by her. I mean, um, it's a very interesting choice of words, definitely. Exactly. Very interesting choice of words, and I feel like it was open like that on purpose yeah. just to keep people guessing. Um, and then what we end up getting is a very touching final goodbye to Wonder Vision Vision. Wonder... <laughs> to Wonder Vision Try saying Vision. that fast five times. Wonder Vision, Vision, Wonder Vision, Vision, Wonder Vision, Vision, Wonder Vision, Vision, Wonder Vision, Vision. I feel like I did a pretty good job there. By God, you did it. 
Okay, what if I did it all as Foghorn Leghorn? So it's like, I say I want a vision, vision, want a vision, vision, want a vision, vision. I say I say I want a vision, vision, want a vision, vision. You speak like that, and I'm thinking you sound more like the um, that southern chicken from Futurama, the lawyer. Uh, basically the same character. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's basically the same same character actually. Yeah, now that I think about it. Uh, but yeah, um, so so uh, th- that is our finale basically, because Vision like disintegrates back into nothingness because he ultimately wasn't real. Yeah. Um, and the kids, we see like what I can only assume to be a very painful off-screen death. Most likely, yeah. But they sometimes <laughs> um, judging they, by they how sometimes they think dying in your sleep is the best way to go. So. Yeah, I mean, but like they don't just die; they like get pulled apart by fabric of reality. Because you see what happens to them, and also to Vision when the hex is closing in, or when the 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 hex is like uh, away from them, they start getting pulled apart at the seams. So what probably happens is Wanda closes the door, they fall asleep, and we're like, ah, they're gonna die peacefully in their sleep. And then what we don't see is that they probably wake up because they're getting pulled apart by the fabric of time, and then it's like really really painful. Anyway, so yeah, that's. Wanda- you have like to close a house the door. with like soundproof doors. <laughs> It'd be great for recording podcasts in. Oh yeah, but also like murder. Yeah. Anyway, so Wanda says goodbye to Vision. She then walks away from the house. She drives away. She um she she gets one last stink eye from the um from the residents of Westview. Then, as the police are coming in, she turns into the Scarlet Witch because we forgot to mention this even though he said we would but the Scar- she she actually like gets her full Scarlet Witch attire um, which, crown which and all which looks pretty cool it looks very cool yes and then she just flies away and that's it and and, and then later we see in a uh, post credit scene we get uh, Monica Rambo getting invited by like a, an agent into a cinema. Yeah, one of the, one of the scroll. Yes. Scroll so says, she turns out to be a scroll, yeah. and she says that somebody's like looking to meet you, and um, he'll be good. He'll be glad to see you. And a lot of people have speculated that it's Nick Fury because, as we know from one of the films, Nick Fury is being held on a scroll. He's, I don't think he's being held, but he's like he's chilling on a scroll ship yeah. in space. Yeah, so, so it's, it's um, interesting that moment because the scroll says that a friend of her mother wants to meet. Yes, which is either so let's be honest, like uh, Captain Marvel doesn't have a lot of friends. True. So it's either it's either her her mother, yeah. who was who was the only friend that Captain Marvel had, or Nick Fury, or or um, or uh, James or Mendelssohn mm-hmm. from uh, the Captain Marvel. I think it's so. You know how it's a female scroll that's basically um, um, went to see Monica? Yes. Um, I've seen online some people are kind of hoping that's the scroll, the child scroll from her childhood. Oh, you yeah, know, when yeah. They, like uh, the one, this uh, Mendo's son, yes, uh, daughter, yeah, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> people are hoping that that's that scroll. So they're doing a series of um, Mendo... Mendo's character and Nick Fury. That sounds um, really cool. So I will be interested to see how that goes because yeah. that would be that does sound very cool and I I I'd really liked um, Mendelssohn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can't remember the. I can't remember his I can't name. Remember his name. He was like. I can't remember his name. He was such an exasperated uh, me... and like tired and also quite fed up with his own kind of. I, I liked him. 
Let me just quickly look it up. But yeah, sorry. Do you want to go ahead and explain what else happens in the um, in the post credits? So in the final post credit scene, you see uh, Wanda. Ben Mendelsohn plays Talos, by the way. Ta- That's Talos. It. Talos. Yeah, his name was Talos in um, in Captain Marvel. Mendelsohn plays Talos, okay. um, the Skrull. And yeah, sorry. Anyway, sorry, as you were saying. Okay, so uh, post credit scene, you see Wanda chilling on the deck of a house, kind of way out in the middle of, kind of looks like middle of nowhere. <clears throat> she's sat on the front of a porch, looks like she's drinking something, very chilled, very relaxed. However, you go inside the house and you see that uh, Wanda is actually in her astral form and she is studying the dark hold that Agatha had. And while she's studying the dark hold, she can hear the cries of her twins for help. And honestly, like, this left so many questions yeah. in my mind when I saw this. Because I was like, what is she making? Is it t- coffee or tea? Like, what? which one was it, you know? I mean, I think it'd probably, it's probably be... Probably tea. It's probably I'm tea. I'm trying to say coffee. I don't know. I feel I mean, like, like somebody I, like her I own coffee. Like, like in most kind of Eastern European countries, coffee's more bigger than tea. And same in, is same in America, coffee's bigger than tea as well. Is it? Oh, okay. Was tea <coughs> more of an English thing? And like an Indian thing? In more the... of kind of an Indian and Asian thing. And yeah, okay. And English, yeah. I guess. So kind of like all of our fields, yeah. our home fields. Um, but yeah, yeah okay. And it could have been hot cocoa. It could have been hot cocoa, yeah. But she cooked it on the stove, didn't she? Or did she like pour a kettle? I can't remember. I can't remember. I'll look into it. You don't, you don't, yeah, you don't, you don't pour a kettle for hot cocoa. Uh, you, she makes instant. You, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, maybe it was soup in a cup. <laughs> it could have been soup. It could have been some chunky, chunky soup. Maybe, yeah, maybe she was drinking soup out of a mug to like represent how out of out of order her life is without vision. I like, <laughs> like to, that's I like how to low point you... out that when I was at university, um, because no one would ever wash the fucking bowls, um, we used to have a cereal from mugs. It's fucking disgusting. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> you basically had to drink your soup. Ah, oh, man. Uh, so, <laughs> we end up with the dark hold, and as you said, so we see Wanda in her astral uh, astral form, and this is a kind of like a, a callback to Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. from what I understand, because there's a he, moment in Doctor Strange where he learns how to do it, and then he, when he's sleeping, his body is sleeping, but he uses his astral form to stay awake and do, like, nerd stuff, like studying. So... He's, he's like, busy reading, and it's exactly the same as, like, what Wanda's doing. She's, like, flicking through the dark hole, like, oh, what's next yeah. on the next page? I hope uh, I hope um, it's something good. And then she, all of a sudden, hears her children screaming or something, yeah, like, ah, mom. And uh, this is where we kind of go, okay, well, there's something going on here because her children weren't real, but they actually were, maybe? We don't know. I mean, and as you said, it might be something to do with Mephisto. Very much, it could very much be. I mean, isn't he the one that's originally kind of authored the dog hole? I have no idea. Could be. I, I'm honestly not sure. It pro- probably. I mean, like, all the dark magic and the... From what I understand, he's, like, the dark magic guy, but he's also, like, basically Marvel's version of Satan. Okay, nope. So is the dark hold was um, authored by a demon elder god by the name of Chthon. Chthon. Okay, so definitely. I don't know. Fair enough. But um, I hope he doesn't come into the MCU. Uh, probably will <laughs> at some point. Um, but it's, I think it's worth noting noticing like the aura behind 
um, Wanda did look quite dark, but when you compare that to the aura behind um, um, Doctor Strange, who was doing astral protection, it's quite a, uh, quite a difference between the two. Yeah, it's almost like Wanda's is more menacing, isn't yeah. it? But I think it's purposely done like that because we are left to wonder whether she will actually be the bad guy down the line yeah. or not. I don't think she will. Um, um, I, but we can I go, think go it's into like probably the... going to go either two routes. Either she's not going to be the bad guy or she's going to be so driven in trying to get her kids and her husband back, she's going to do something bad again. Yeah, um, because yeah, we can go into that in a couple of seconds, but... Um, I think in this... I think it's also worth mentioning this music that's playing mm. is basically the st- same theme for Doctor Strange, but they've kind of slowed it down and made it a bit more edgy and darker. Is it? Yeah. So do you, this must be like the the tease into what happens in Doctor Strange now, because it's confirmed that... Um, so we're basically done with the recap, uh, and... Uh, yeah, let's go into like what we think is going to end up happening, what this basically means for the MCU, because from what I understand, um, Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet Witch is in Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. Multiverse of Madness, which is the second it's film such a great title. in this series. Yeah, it really is, isn't it, Mum? And um, what um, what I'm assuming is she's going to be like how the Hulk was in Thor Ragnarok, where they make it out as if it's like a cameo, but he's bas- it's basically like his film too. Oh, yeah. And I imagine it's going to be someone, someone like that. So what I hope is maybe it is about like her kids and her exploring through the multiverse is trying to find him. And he's like, stop this. You're going to break apart the fabric mm-hmm. of reality and stuff like that. Because it's like um, she still doesn't quite have a hold on her power. So she's not completely in control. Um, have you ever been familiar with the uh, House of M storyline um, in, in, in no, Marvel Comics? No, not actually. So there's this um, story where basically um, the world has been warped into like this horrible dystopian future where basically nearly everyone is dead, and it's all because um, that's just Scarlet like Witch. <laughs> yeah, basically, but um, all the heroes are, like dead and stuff. But it's because Scarlet Witch lost her baby mm-hmm. in 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 because she thought that the baby was real, but it turned out to be like a an, an illusion. Um, and she was so succumbed by grief that she created this like crazy world where um, where all this bad stuff happened. And I feel like I thought I was like, this is where Wonder Vision is pulling from. It's House of M. But I wonder if they will also go kind of more into that with whatever film is coming next. But then again, I feel like they've they've pro- processed a lot of like uh, Scarlet Witch's emotions at this point. Mm. So maybe making a film on it also is a bit um, is a bit much. Like maybe now we get the full Doctor Strange treatment. You know. Yeah, no, that's quite interesting. Um, I mean, in general, it's going to be interesting to see what they go go take the next steps forward going forward with it. I mean, they've got Absolutely. they've got so many possibilities. They've got so much to work with, and I think, like, I I understand that it's not quite the ending that everyone was hoping, but I think it's tied off quite nicely. Yeah, I mean, I I liked it enough. I mean, in general, like, I really enjoyed the series. Like, it's it's each episode kind of left it where there was so much up for speculation and like I've mentioned before it just made some for some great theories to come about and it was nice just having a little dialogue with your friends what thinking about what's going to happen next and in general like the series really kind of encapsulated just how much grief and how much pain Wanda's going through and yeah whether she she didn't do it intentionally but she's basically inflicted this on the entire town and you really do feel for her, and I think Elizabeth Olsen has just played it so bloody well. She was fantastic throughout the whole thing. Like you could see, um, 
I mean, it's like when you when you put play people like that for such good actors in these sorts of roles, they really brought out the best in her. Mm, and and yeah, I thought I thought her development throughout the series, her arc was great, and uh, as as was um, Monica's and uh, like a lot of the characters. To be honest, I think it was really well written in terms of character pieces, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens next because this is the first time we've had like a a. a extended period of time with one of these mcu characters mm-hmm. um who's in the main films without it being like a, a series of films like yeah, over this series we spent more time with um elizabeth olsen uh elizabeth olsen scarlet witch than we did with like iron man throughout all of his films yeah. i'm pretty sure yeah so true. and it's nice to see these characters like in this kind of fashion yeah, because it kind of fleshes them out a little bit more. You're not just seeing like the movie version; you're seeing uh, more sort of day to day versions that they're having in that life. And I, I really liked it. I think One Division was a great example of like what what this um, they can kind of produce with the scale and the budget that they do have available to the Marvel, uh, even at like a TV level. It's like the TV shows are still like movies. Um, it's it's it'll be very interesting to see what comes next. I know we got what. Um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier coming next, which will be, I'm sure, it, it'll be pretty good. Uh, the the batting average is generally pretty high with these things, so I'm I'm looking forward to see what they do next. I feel like that's going to be more like a buddy cop kind of thing. I think I think <laughs> but, right, it's probably going to be totally more buddy cop and more kind of like the first few, like the first forty five minutes of Starsky and Hutch where they just don't like each other. <laughs> it's gonna. It's definitely gonna go in that sort of angle, isn't it? Like they don't like each other, then they fall in love by the end. You know, um, they can't get enough of each other by the end. Um, I I really liked One Division as a whole. I feel like it's um, it it's a good sort of like building point for what might come in the future. As we said in the MCU, I wonder what's gonna happen next in Multiverse of Madness. Um, in terms of like the future, the uh, vision. I feel like. Uh, the white vision will inevitably end up back in in Wanda's arms, you know. It's probably what's going to happen, especially if he's got his old memories. Um, then he's just going to be picking up from where he was, which was like, oh yeah, I'm already in love with this woman, so I'm just going to go back to her. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's just going to create some issues for Wanda. Like, will she accept him? It's not really her own, but and also, like I said, like how is this vision being powered if he's if he's not got a mind stone in it? That's what was very confusing to me, but I'm sure these things will be answered. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think uh, we, we've talked about it a fair amount. <laughs> this is uh, our, our longest ever podcast because we are now hitting, like, I'm pretty sure above two and a half hours. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, we are cracking up a bit, I've got to say. Yeah, but it's been so much fun, and I, I feel like WandaVision kind of deserved it because it's been such an in-depth series that by the end we're like, yeah, I, I feel pretty satisfied. I know, as you said, I know a lot of people weren't amazingly happy with the ending, but I don't know, it, it kind of went as I expected, and because the journey was so good, I didn't mind that the ending wasn't, like, the biggest, craziest thing in the world. Mm, I mean... The week-to-week suspense was amazing, by the way. Like, I think it really drove home why um, having a, a show going week to week and making you wait for the next episode kind of works to its own favor because if i had to binge this i wouldn't be anywhere near as attached to it oh yeah definitely i think like the week to week really kind of lends to like to everything that really trying to like develop and cultivate with the series without doubt yeah 
Absolutely. And it's like having it embedded, as you said earlier, in like the general public and the zeitgeist and people talking about it all the time. is It's cool as hell to be a part of. And it kind of reminds me of back when we were a lot younger and um, we used to talk at school about like the TV shows and what might happen next week. I, I, I really like it. As I said, I, I, it's like a weird novelty because nowadays everything we get is, as you, as you normally get, binge, uh, binge-worthy. So it's nice to be back kind of to this weird familiarity of like, oh yeah, this is what happens when you make people wait a little bit before the next one. Yeah, man. If, it, if, if, it, like, if, what's, if what comes next is off this, like, this kind of caliber, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm down for it. I mean, I've, I mean the, the trailer for The Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't really grab me as much as WandaVision. No, it wasn't as based in mystery though, if yeah. you're being honest. Like I could tell, totally I can tell thing. from now, yeah, it's a totally different fail, and I can I know from now where it's kind of gonna go and how it's gonna play, but this is which is fine because it it shouldn't be the same as One Division. It shouldn't have the same mystery because those two characters aren't as mysterious as Scarlet Witch, which is it, it's fine. Um, uh, I yeah, I think this will be something completely different, but I think something different is in this case is good because as a One Division, it scratched that like magical itch. Um. Do do you have anything else you want to add in terms of like overall thoughts? I mean, to be honest, no. There was one thing I totally forgot to mention though. Um, mm-hmm. During the fight with Agatha and Wanda, there's a moment where Wanda throws a car at Agatha and it goes through a building, and then Wanda basically yeah, it looks like it crushes her. Wanda approaches and she's basically got the feet stuck in her boots, stuck out from underneath the car. Yes. Totally kind of it's like Wizard of Oz. Totally like Wizard of Oz moment. Yeah, that made me chuckle. This is the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that made, that that was, made me chuckle. That and I thought that was a nice moment. <laughs> that was that was great, wasn't it? Um, oh, and uh, like one one final final thing to talk about because we forgot to mention this somehow. Um, zombie vision was fucking creepy. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was that was shocking. It, like pops in for one frame. It was shocking because it happens just for one frame, but like. The moment where she sees, she's sat down with Vision and she sees him as the dead Vision with the Mind Stone ripped out of his skull. <laughs> like, why and do that to us? And why do that to one that she's been through enough? And you think to yourself, like, oh my god, is this how he actually looks at the moment? Because you don't realise at that point that she's, like, basically constructed him out of nothing. But yeah, uh, where do you think the, like... Where do you think this is all gonna go next? What's the next? What's the next film that's coming out? I forgot. In terms of film, I have films I have no idea. I do know the Multiverse of Madness is to be released uh, March twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. Next, twenty twenty two. I was I was like, if it was only next week, that would be, that would come out of nowhere. That would have been fantastic if it came out next um, week. We, and it's we, like we had one division only, but uh, we're not. I know. Lucky. No, no, we're not. But yeah, man. Like I think that is a fucking in-depth review of WandaVision, we have officially, I like to say, officially made up to our non-gamer um, audience I mean, with this one episode. Because we've given them an episode which is longer than the last two combined, I'm pretty sure, or, or will near enough be. And we've really, so it's we've like really a, doubled, like I said, we've really doubled down on the length. But by God, I was really, really looking forward to talking about this because it's just left me with so many feelings, so many theories, and... It's just been an enjoyable watch, start to finish, I think. It really does. It, it kind of made me feel like maybe we should do, like, smaller videos, as we kind of talked about before, because, um, like, 
there's a difference between reviewing the whole thing at the end and kind of talking about it whilst there's speculation still to be had. Mm-hmm. And um, and part of me was like, oh, what if we talk about it this week as well? But it's like, no, we kind of want to wait for it. And but I know what you mean. Like there was so much to talk about by the end. That it's like, yeah, this is um, this is going to be a hefty one, and I kind of knew that coming in. But I'm I'm not complaining. Uh, but yeah, I mean, do you have anything else you want to add? I have nothing at all. I'm totally blood dry. <laughs> I'm also blood dry. I'm I'm all good then. I mean. To be honest, we'd normally we'd normally do like extra sections here, but at this point the episode has gone on for long enough. Uh, but we will probably hit you guys up soon with another episode where we'll go back to like talking about something else. What did we say we're doing next next week? Is Demolition Man, isn't it? Probably Dem- Demolition Man or White Men Can't Jump or something other random that I I have no idea. We're gonna do a Wesley Snipesathon, um, where we're probably I don't know. Let's do like demolition man and maybe white man can't jump and then i don't know do you want to do you want to do the new coming to america have you seen that <laughs> um i've heard some reviews for it i've been told it's not exactly groundbreaking like or kind of anything new yeah uh, so it's well it's up to you i'm not really fast to be honest I was about to say. I mean, we can we can go with a few movies in our rep in our, in our repertoire and build up our like movie critical um, critical eye. Because I feel like I'm I'm pretty good when it comes to gaming, but when it comes to movies, I'm like, uh, and then I like this scene, I think, but I don't have like the same in depth um, analytical viewpoint as I do when it comes to gaming. You know. No, that's that, I know, I know what you mean. But, um, mm. uh, we got a bunch out, haven't we? We do have to branch out, we do. Because, you know, we have we have a solid foundation of, like, nine or ten listeners each week. And I feel like we need to make sure they're all cared for, you know. Um, uh, but, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for, for listening to us rambling on today uh, about a TV show that you probably watched and you didn't really need a recap for because you were like, yep, I know what happened in that episode because I watched it too. <laughs> Why would I listen to this review if I didn't watch the show? But um, thank you. We really appreciate it if you are tuning in, whether it is for the first time uh, or, I was about to say, or the last time. Please don't make it the last time, ideally. <laughs> um, whether it's the first time or whether you're like, you're. this is actually our 20th episode, um, which is somewhat of a milestone so again thank you all uh, it's been two years of fun of item intermittent fun it's only been these last few weeks that we've really been uh, like kicked into gear with it and it's been i think about 10 episodes of like week after week which has been great um and long may it continue it's been a great time um please do like get in touch with us we're on twi- twitter at pod toa so um that's like pod for podcasts and then toa for train of ambivalence if that wasn't obvious enough <laughs> and uh amrick you, you know you want to give them our email address if you want to maybe send us some questions like uh we'll be happy to talk to you about whatever so probably gaming the email address is very very long and i do not remember it off the top of my head we've done, like i'm sure we've gone over this before it's train of ambiv train of ambivalence pod i think it's train of ambivalence pod train of amber pod you know what um, you know what just contact let me just, let me just get it up twitter because that's probably oh the best God, no wait wait so wait no wait uh, I, I think it's um train of amp pod at gmail.com but it's okay we'll come back with the proper gmail address but the main thing is probably twitter at pod toa you should really check us out we we say some really funny shit as you'd expect because that's what we do um but in the meantime Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for listening. We hope you have a great week ahead. We'll see you next week.
for Demolition Man, a film from the 90s, 80s, 80s, 90s... Uh, I think it was 80s. Na- I think it was 80s, I don't remember. Anyway, a film from before we were born. Either way, it's got Central give- Bullock in it, so you know in for a good time. It's got Wesley Snipes in it, it's got Stallone in it, it's got, like, all the big hitters. So, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it's about. I'm assuming it's called Demolition Man, so I'm assuming it's about, like, a guy who's, like, working on a building site and he has to blow up buildings that need to be blown up for, um, for like, new buildings to be built on. Is that what it's about? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> well, okay, so people often refer to it um, because back in the day, Stallone and Schwarzenegger had, like, a big rivalry. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, people often say it's like still uh Schwarzenegger did um uh total recall so as a as like a response to that Stallone did demolition man and it's like the same kind of like sci-fi um crazy setting okay. so i'm genuinely curious to see what this is all about so yeah ladies and gentlemen join us next week for um this uh, old film but it's a classic i think so let's see how it goes and then we'll see you next time and i've been zane and I've been Amrick. Thanks for tuning in. It's been good fun again. So please join us next time. Hell yeah. See you later. See you guys. Bye.